It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The schedules are out for next year, and already Old Man River out there is uh, very upset about how we're going to have less games in division. And just thinking about that alone, because you can't, you you could portray this as. Oh, my God, we're not going to be playing our rivals. Oh, my God. Who the hell's our rival? We don't have one. And don't tell me Houston. Who is the rival in the American League West? There isn't one. You mean Seattle and Texas don't have a major rivalry? Uh, no. You're telling you me. You mean Anaheim and Houston don't have a major rivalry? I mean, Houston and the Rangers aren't even a rival. Can they you play even the same name state. me a rivalry other than we get forced Red Sox-Yankees down our damn throats every year? In the American so, League? So, by the way, less Yankee-Red Sox, I sign off on that any day of the week. Uh, if you're talking about rivalries in the American League, that's the only one. National League, you could say Giants-Dodgers and Cubs-Cardinals. Is Cardinals. that even a rivalry? The Dodgers have been whooping their yeah. ass for years. And then the, Cub- the Cardinals? have been I mean they Cubs Cubs aren't Cubs are in a rebuild so is that what now I understand Cubs Cardinals is a great rivalry Giants Dodgers is a great rivalry we're having some fun by the way one of the greatest um things that I've ever seen is spring training I'm in an Uber and I'm pulling in pulling into Sloan Park there in Mesa A's are taking on the Cubs and on the corner was a a vendor selling Cubs stuff for spring training, and they have all these different shirts. They were just blue shirts and white lettering with different stuff ripping St. Louis. Of course. Just ripping St. I mean, just it was just harsh. Just little, little sayings digging into basically calling St. Louis a hick town. And I went, that's good stuff. That's a rivalry. Even though – uh, St. Louis as a baseball team versus the Chicago Cubs. Can't compare the cities. Chicago versus St. Louis, there's no comparison. But there's no comparison between the franchises. One franchises, it's nothing but championships and Hall of Famers. The other franchise played a bunch of day games and stink. Yeah, they're not very good. No I mean, offense, Ryan Sandberg, Fergie Jenkins, Ernie Banks, Ron Santo. Billy Williams and those guys. But, yes, you stink. 
Yeah, they're not they're not good now either. And that's so that right like when you think of rivalries, you think of those three like Dodgers Angels isn't a rivalry. Sorry. Give me the Mets, rivalry. Yankees Give is not me one. the right. So for all these old man river that hate that everybody's going to play to everybody and I hate the schedule, name me the AL Central rivalry that we're going to get less games. Oh my god, if I get less Royals Twins, that changes my life. Yeah, I don't know how you can live. No, it's down. It was 19 games versus each team. Now it's 13. You play in your division. So Do I get less White Sox against Twins? Uh, oh, no. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to see. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone on either team that's a revenge series. But, no. But, yeah, there's no one in the American League besides Yankees, Red Sox that were forced. And that's 13 games now we're only have to see them. So, 13 times we'll see them play on ESPN less next Sunday year. Night, less <laughs> Sunday night baseball, four-hour marathons. So I don't have to watch it Friday night on MLB Network, Saturday on Fox Game of the Week, Sunday night baseball, four-hour games. If you give me any schedule that gets Yankees, Red Sox less thrown down my throat, I love it. I will say I still think we're going to get Yankees Red Sox at least nine times on national TV next year. They may keep. They may just boost Yankee Red Sox to thirty games a year. It was Ken Korak, by the way, who made this point. It's a very good point on the broadcast. And Ken, if you're listening, text me. I don't know when it was, but Ken said it. He goes, "You know, there's going to be a big problem with weather." Oh yeah, for sure. So what do you do? So. Uh, you go somewhere for two games, and it gets rained out. Yeah, then what do you do? The series, if it's I a three-game three, three set, what do you do, fly back there uh, on an off day like we've been doing with what, games right now? play three games on an off day? Oh, no, if, uh, if you're saying if you play two games and you're playing a three-game set. You're going to just fly in an off day doubleheader and then yeah. fly out after a doubleheader? Yeah. It, what it, if it's three games? I mean, what I I don't know. So or, well, how will all the games be? Interleague games. They're still considered interleague, I believe. I mean, are they all two-game sets? No, there's no more two-game sets. It's either three or four, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so what happens if you have three of the four rained out or two of the four rained out? What are you going to do? Uh, off days, doubleheader. Something Could be a ba- problem. Yeah, I mean, like, like look at one of the, the ones next year. Now, this is one that hits home for me. The A's go on the, on the East Coast at the end of May through June, and early June. They play Miami. They go to Pittsburgh, which is great. I'm trying to go back there for that. A's cast from PNC Park would be great. And then they play Milwaukee. So you're keeping the the same time zone because Milwaukee's in the eastern time zone as well, I believe. So you're already in the East Coast. That was one of the things I saw too. Well, all these teams are going to be traveling through different time zones. Seattle travels more than anybody. Okay, first of, all, first of all, if uh, – ooh, love it. Uh, first of all, if there is anybody out there that is worried about the players from a media standpoint, let me remind you that we just had a lockout where the players did nothing but bitch and complain about their piece of the pie. All right? We, we followed it. We weren't allowed to be on, and I thought it was a good move. But when we came on after that we we, we – Broke it down, I think, as good as anybody. Do I have to go back and remind you why we had a lockout? These players are complaining that they are not getting enough the piece of the pie. 
That's what they're saying. So if their issue is always going to be about we want more money, we want more piece of the pie, and this business can make more money by having you play in every single town. So generations of National League towns actually get to see Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, Willie Mate, the greatest player, Johnny Bench, greatest players of all time, Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, Mike Trout, on and on and on, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, that every fan has a chance to see the great players and expand baseball and make baseball better and make baseball more money because that's all you guys care about. If that's the case, I do not want ESPN. I don't want The Athletic. I don't want anybody. Oh, what about the players' travel? Shut up. You want less money? You want less piece of the pie? We'll figure out ways to have less games, less travel, and accommodate that. But if you want max money and you want the biggest piece of the pie that you can get of a business you do not own, you have none of the risk. Players have none of the risk. You have guaranteed contracts. You have none of the risk of this business. And you want max piece of the pie, keep your mouth shut about travel. Nobody wants to hear it. And why people in the media would even care about players and travel. Why would you care? It doesn't affect you. I don't know why you're bringing it up. You really don't care about the players anyway. You really care about them getting on a luxury jet, traveling to the next time zone to stay in a luxury hotel. You really think it's that hard to travel in luxury and stay at the Four Seasons and have a bus take you onto the tarmac onto a premier jet and fly you right to the next city? It's not that tough. And if they want max dollars with everything, now from when they come up to the end of their career, they go on to get as much as they possibly can. We don't want to hear you talk about travel. Stop. You travel in luxury and you get paid handsomely for it. Where we tell you to where we tell you to show up, show up, put your uniform on, play hard and entertain people. That's your job. Boom. Uh, I, I want to say one of the first people I saw a tweet about it was Jason Stark talking about the Phillies travel. And how they have to go to like to eat the West time zone like two or three or four times this year. The majority of the year, you stay in the same time zone. Yeah, I think the Mets only leave the they come to the West Coast twice or come like change the uh, the West Coast times Pacific time zone twice. How many times is the how many times this year have the A's already gone to the East Coast? Falls on deaf ears. I'll take you to another sport. It was a couple years ago. A Jets player said something. The New York Jets did not leave the Eastern time zone for all 16 games. And they said to this player, what the hell are you talking about? You never went to the central time zone. You never played out west. I don't know what year. It's like three, four years ago. The New York Jets never left the East Coast. Don't complain. What are you talking about? What you got? Look, do you think the Yankees will all tell you right now coming out here? Oh, no humidity. You're out in Oakland. It's going to be nice here today during BP. It's going to be awesome during uh, the night because it's not hot. 
You think they're bummed about staying in the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco and then they're going to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, Dana Point, Anaheim? Oh, that's really tough. Playing in the Bay Area and then in Southern California? Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how the Jets And, oh, work. by the way, expanded playoffs, how about this? After nearly five months of baseball, 18 teams are either in possession of a slot or within seven games of a playoff spot. I think the extra playoffs is working too. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people I saw in that same article. I was talking about how, well, there's not a, there's not an incentive for teams. What do you mean there's not an incentive? There's more teams get in the playoffs. That's that's an incentive enough. If you're what what because we're worried we're worried that a team under 500 make the playoffs. The Astros almost went to the World Series, being under 500 in the 2020 hey, year. You know what? You're right. Let's go back to how baseball used to be. Let's go to baseball. So you just have one winner in the American League and one winner in the National League. Do you realize if that was the case that the Astros would be leading the Yankees and everybody else would be out? There would only be two teams in it right now for the American League. And in the National League, you would have the Dodgers on top of the the, uh, Mets and the Braves. And pretty much everybody else, see you later. You'd only have... If we go, if you want a traditionalist, and I'm a purist, and you're a moron, but you want to go back to that, you'd only have two teams in the American League. Everybody else would be playing for nothing right now. And in the National League, you'd have five teams. Everybody else really not playing for anything. You want to go back to that? That's exciting? That really, you, you, you view that as exciting? No. I like the way it is now. Right now, if the playoffs started right now, Astros and Dodgers will get a bye. Yankees will get a bye. The Mets will get a bye. So it'll be Mariners at Guardians, which we're playing right now. Actually, who ended up winning that game? Uh, I can't see. Big Lou Trevino. Uh, Seattle's up. Seattle won 3-1. So there you go. That would be a series. Then you would have Padres Cardinals. Well, I don't see Padres even get in. J.P. Sears, he joins us for the first time. It's great to meet you. Welcome to Oakland. This is where the fans get all their A's information. Okay. Nice. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been exciting since I've been here. Uh Feel already feel really comfortable. The guys have been great. Um, Kasi's been great to me and getting to know everybody. And, yeah, it's a warm welcome for sure. You know, I think a great word for you is comfortable because, you know, so many guys earlier in their, early in their careers, they go out there just to survive, right? You go out there to win. Yeah. You're competing to win. And I think there is something about being comfortable. But tell us what that is about you when you go out there. You do have that confidence. Yeah, I think that uh, if you don't go out there with confidence and you're facing some of the best hitters in the world, then, you know, you're gonna you're behind the eight ball already. So, uh, yeah, I definitely go out there with confidence and just, uh, you know, try and fill up the zone and try and compete and, you know, put myself in the best chance to win the game for the team. Of course, the first time we got to see you was you pitching against the Oakland Athletics. And when the trade happened, I immediately thought, well, He's been pitching at Yankee Stadium, and you're pitching for the Yankees at a time when the Yankees were rolling. They're talking about all-time record potentially could happen, over 116 wins. A lot has changed since then. Uh But talk about what it was like pitching in New York at that time when all the spotlight was on the Yankees and potentially one of the greatest Yankee teams of all time. Yeah, yeah, I felt really blessed uh, to make the team out of camp um, with the extended rosters and Really get a lot of experience under my belt in a, in a great stadium like that and uh, around, you know, some really lively fans. And, uh, you know, every game's a big game there. So um, it's definitely it was a great place to play, and uh, I feel blessed to have been a Yankee. But uh, I'm excited now about my future here, and uh, my, my mind's here, and my, my focus is here. And 
um, it's been great here so far. Because you come here, it's a land of opportunity. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming when you got trade, you knew right away, I'm going to have a chance to pitch. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, that you know that part of it, yeah, is always in your head. You know, uh, you know, you want to be in the big leagues, you want to pitch in the big leagues. You know, I want to start games in the big leagues. So, yeah, that was definitely on my mind. But uh, yeah, I just try and show up every day and you know do my job, and and, and that's just to compete for the organization wherever they need me, and uh, you know provide value and, and just do my best when I get out there. You know, is there someone that you look at who you say their game, you pattern your game? Left-hander, fastball, breaking ball, change. Is there somebody that you looked at? Um, yeah, I would say that you know I enjoy watching a lot of you know fellow big league players, uh, especially the superstars out there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of le left good lefty starters nowadays, and uh, a lot of guys that bring a lot to the table. I, th I feel like Carlos Rodon is uh, somebody that I. I like to watch pitch a lot. You know, he's you know he's got great stuff. You know, he runs it up. You know, a little more than I do, yeah. velo wise. But uh, I just like how he competes out there and really uses his fastball. Um, you know, in all counts and um, and tries to put his team in a you know good position to win too. So uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys that I've watched coming up. You know, through the minors, you know, with the, whether it's the Yankees or West Coast teams. But uh, yeah, just trying to go out there and have fun. Yeah, because I think that in a world of baseball now where everything is about velocity and everything is about, you know, does he throw 100, is it 98, mm -hmm. that's never going to be your game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Velo, uh, we we chase Velo a lot. Uh, that that's Everybody wants to throw hard. You know, that's part of baseball. Uh, I kind of take an emphasis on that more in the off season. You know, I still try and get better, whether it's, you know, my average velo or topping out in the game. So uh, I think that, yeah, velo's definitely taken over the game, and it's a big part of it, and you're going to see a lot more in the future. How much do you like pitching in a place like this that's so big with yeah. wind and at yeah. night the ball doesn't fly? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, great weather every day, um, beautiful beautiful skies, a uh, lot of foul territory, uh, definitely friendly for a pitcher, and, um, you know, great vibes at the ballpark as well. So, uh, yeah, just overall great baseball feeling here. Because that's the one thing that, you know, going back to the World Series teams of the 70s, 80s, everything has always been built off pitching and defense. Mm -hmm. In a game where everybody talks about offense and how many home runs, here it's always yeah. been about pitching and defense. And one thing I think, as you just said, you had to notice right away is like, wow, there's a lot of foul territory yeah. here. This really helps out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that that was evident in my first start here uh, a little over a week ago. Um, yeah, I got like three or four yes. in a row. And, uh, yeah, that's a great feeling knowing that, you know, at some places, you know, that's no doubt a foul ball and you got to, you know, stay in the count and still get the guy out. So uh, getting some of those a little, little bit easier outs and foul territory definitely makes, you know, you, you lengthen the game as a starter and, um, you know, put yourself in a good position. I always like to ask, there's so much data, so much technology at your disposal. Some guys love it, some guys not at all, some guys in between. Where are you with all of that to prepare yourself to pitch? Yeah, I think that uh, it's, it's whether or not you're an analytical person at all, it's, it's without a doubt a part of the game now. Um, you see it watching it on TV, exit velos, miles per hour velo. All those things, uh, yeah, I definitely use it to my disposal, you know, getting ready for starts, whether or not it's, it's you know, keeping up with my maintenance of making sure that my body and my arm and all that are, you know, in consistent positions all the time when I'm getting ready for games or, you know, trying to find holes in, in hitters, you know, in hitters uh, swings or anything like that. So uh, there's a lot of data out there nowadays. And um yeah, I try and use most of it as I can. And you came over with Waldachuk, and he, he pitched over here in the East Bay at St. Mary's. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, what should we expect from him when he comes up? Yeah, I'm excited to hopefully have him soon. He uh, he's a great competitor. Uh, I think he I think you'll see a lot of fire out of him. He's uh, he attacks hitters. He uh, he pitches with his fastball. Uh, 
you know, everything he throws, he throws it at you. He's, you know, he's aggressive. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. I enjoy watching him when I've gotten to watch him, you know, some this year in Scranton um, and then in Vegas as well. So excited to have him whenever the time comes. Just how weird was it pitching in Vegas where all of a sudden you're in the desert yeah. and then if you're not in the desert, you're somewhere in elevation, yeah. uh, it, you know, dry air, ball yeah. flies forever. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, I've never pitched really west of uh, – I guess I spent, I spent a summer in um, Everett, Washington, so a little bit like that. Uh, but, yeah, even drier. Uh, yeah, definitely some home runs that you look around and you're saying, did that ball really get out? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The ball feels a little different. Um, yeah, there's some adjustments, but uh, it's still baseball. Um, you know, you still got to go out there and compete and, you know, try and win. Yeah, you know, we were talking off the air. He's from South Carolina. I was down there uh, right at the start of baseball season. I was down there when I went to the Masters. South Carolina is just beautiful. Yeah. And it's just, a, you know, it's a beautiful part of the country. If anybody from out the West Coast can go out, beaches are phenomenal. Yes, yes, great I mean, beaches. very impressive. Yes, Very yes. impressive. But now, you know, you go to Citadel, the Citadel, it's a military college. Yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah, I learned a lot at the Citadel. Uh, it's definitely a one-of-a-kind place. Uh, you know, I feel blessed to have gone there, um, you know, go through my college experience there. I met a lot of great friends, uh, great coaches, um, great teammates. Um, yeah, it's a one-of-a-kind place. I feel like I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about orga organization and um, how to be prepared every day to be, you know, a leader and, and whatever aspect of life, you know, you choose. And so uh, it's definitely got me, you know, prepared for pro ball because, you know, being in the big leagues or in the minor leagues, you know, it's a, it's a really uh, rigorous schedule. So, uh, I, you know, a lot of times I'll find myself looking back on those days where things could have been, a, you know, were a little bit worse, yeah. a little bit worse. when you're Folks, it's confined. a military school. If you yeah. don't know about the Citadel, it's one of the six military schools. Yes. So he wasn't walking around late to class and flip-flops no, every no, day. No, no, <laughs> we, we were on our uh, P's and Q's there. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind place. Um, a lot of great people there and learned a lot of good things and got a good education as well. Well, I and I think, that, you know, the number one thing, that can help you here, help you at every level, help you in life is truly the structure you yeah. get when you go to one of those places. Yeah, and I was blessed with good parents growing up. So, you know, I, I had a good idea of structure, but, you know, just the consistency of doing it on your own really, really changes things for you. And you learn to, how you know, things that I'm good at, bad at, that I need to work on. And uh, it definitely got me ready for life. So I feel blessed to have been there. What are your expectations of yourself the rest of the way here? Because this is a big stretch for you. Yeah, um, I think that uh, a lot of us, a lot of us get ahead of ourselves too much. Uh, I've always, you know, taken the idea of I, I go week to week. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what our schedule looks like past the, you know, the next week from now. You know, I'm getting ready for my start whenever, you know, whenever my next start is, um, whatever team I'll, I'll face. So kind of look more so in the future week by week so I don't get too ahead of myself. But, uh, yeah, just trying to go out there and compete and stay healthy and, um, you know, provide depth for the team and uh, and just do my best to win every time we go out there. Yeah, and then your old team, the Yankees, are going to come to town. Everybody's got a Yankee story, right? I mean, because it's just different. It's New York City, it's the biggest stage. Th th there's something where you go, oh, wow, I'm a Yankee. Uh, what was that moment? What, what, what was your Yankee moment that you had as a young player? Uh, man, as a young player, uh, you know, there was a lot of firsts there, you know, um, there are some guys there that are that are really good people and that, you know, did a good job taking me under their wing and uh, showing me the ropes. But, uh, you know, they have a wall there that I think that it, it, if you if you played in a game with them, then you get to sign. So, uh, you know, I felt really blessed there was a, uh, to sign that wall. And there's a lot of really legendary names yeah. ar around it and a lot of legendary people that have played there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a special place and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll definitely remember it. And um, I'm looking forward to, to facing them. Well, we appreciate the time. I'm telling you, between you and Langoliers, 
How about him? Yeah, yeah, he's phenomenal. He's uh, he's he's almost you know he's already got it. He, he's he's <laughs> here. He's here, and he's he's ready to go. You know, um, you know. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If you had no idea, you're a baseball fan, right? You've never seen an A's game. You got no idea Langoliers that was traded. Yeah. He's been sitting in AAA, and you sat up in the stands and you watched Langoliers. Would you think he's yeah. a rookie? Uh, I would, out of doubt, not think that he's a rookie. Uh, I would, I would have to think that he's four or five years in. That he's, you know, he's got a lot of at bats under his belt. He's super poised, super comfortable. Um, you know, works really hard in his cage work, and I, I he, he's just really a prepared human and. Uh, I've been blessed to be on the field with him, and I'm looking forward to hopefully many more with him. Yeah, he he, he is tremendous. And also just, you know, I think about also for you being traded, as, you already traded before, right? You were yeah. a Mariner, yeah. drafted by the Mariners, so that, that's not a big deal, right? Yeah, well, I, I know think it's a big it's, deal, but it's not different, as much uh, the first time. Yeah, different parts of your career, or, you know, trades kind of mean a little bit more. You know, I was still young with Seattle. Um, you know, I was blessed, you know, that they, they took me in the 11th round and took a chance on me and, you know, gave me a lot of opportunity there to try and shine and um, – and then, uh, so yeah, the, the trades are trades are unique, and it's a it's a crazy feeling. Um, but uh, yeah, this one was was definitely an exciting one, and I'm excited about the future here. Well, you look great in green and gold. Oh, well, thank you, I appreciate it. And we it's, look, it's a good adjustment. Yeah, I like it. it's. Uh, we're I've looking. never not had. I've never. I've always worn blue my whole life. You know, high school, college, Citadel. Uh, you know, and then with the Yankees, I never had anything but blue on, so it's a little change for me. Well, fans are excited because, you know, you think you pitch well going to the offseason. Next thing you know, you're in spring training, yeah. and you're looking at a potential spot right there yeah. to start 2023 season in a big league rotation. So yeah. we're all looking forward to the development and watching you grow right. here in Oakland. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Joey Wendell, former athletic, now uh, Miami Marlin is going to join us now as we get you ready for A's baseball. And last time we had him on, he was actually a a Tampa Bay Ray was the last time he was here. And uh, great to have him on once again. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's it going? Uh, great to have you back in the Bay. I think you always got to love coming back and, and especially enjoying the weather. I'm enjoying the weather for sure. Yeah, it's a little cooler than Miami. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's no joke down there. I mean, I remember the one time I was doing uh, working for the Raiders and did a game with the Dolphins on the sidelines, and it was September. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like a whole different – the, the humidity, it's it's like a whole different deal. You do have the roof, but I know having been at your guys' stadium before, left field and left center is open. So do you still get a lot of that humidity inside the stadium? It, it's been closed most, pretty much every game this year. So it's been cool during the games, which is nice. Um, but I do have I do have two active boys that like to you know to play outside during the day. So I I yeah. get my my fair share of. Um, of Miami Sun, and when, and when I complain, my, my wife is six months pregnant, so I, I feel a little <laughs> bit guilty there. Um, so she, you know, she's she's probably a little bit warmer than I am. So, you know, you just you just suck it up and enjoy the sun. Yeah, that's basically like shut up and take the two kids, go outside and play. I'm miserable. <laughs> we have all been through that. Do your kids ever get to go out to the Clevelander and jump in the pool before the game? Um, not there, but but they they do. Uh, you know, they do get a good bit of pool time. Yeah, so. no doubt. So, how are things going in Miami for you? It's going well. It's going well. I'm I'm enjoying my time here. Um, enjoying the guys. Enjoying the staff. You know, it's been it's been a disappointing uh, season, just results wise for us. But um, but you know, like baseball, it's about the people. And and you know, I enjoy coming coming into the field every day. And 
um, you know, just getting to be with the guys and be with the staff and, and continuing to work with these guys. And, and I really have enjoyed my first season here. Well, I got to think for you, though, I mean, you know, for years, I remember when you were first here with the A's, talking about being a young player and it's always about surviving in a, in a career and sticking here for a long time. And now you look up and now you are that veteran guy. Gosh, yeah. Well, well, I, I don't know that I'll ever consider myself a veteran, but I, I am certainly thankful for, gosh, every day that I've spent in this game. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, right about this time of year. In 2016, I got my first chance with, with, uh, with Oakland, which, you know, I'm super thankful for. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to stick in, in Tampa for four years and, um, you know, another year here in Miami. So, uh, so yeah, I, it's crazy to kind of kind of look back and, and track through my career. But, you know, like I said, every day playing at the major league level is, is, a, is a gift and a blessing, and I'm just, you know, thankful to still be here. You know, you're playing for a guy who is a baseball legend, and really for, for my era growing up as a kid, Don Mattingly was the guy, right? I mean, yeah. he had – he had the posters. He's the MVP. He's Donnie Baseball. Yeah. Uh, seems I've only interviewed him before, but when you're around him on a daily basis, he seems like one hell of a guy, old school kind of Midwest guy. Yeah. How was it playing for Don Manley? Yeah, I mean, you'd never know he had the, the career that he had or he was, you know, a borderline Hall of Famer, Mr. Yan. You know, you, you would never know any of that just by talking to him. He's very unassuming, very approachable, easy to talk to. And uh, he – he loves baseball. Like he, he loves baseball. He has a passion for it. And, and you know, you, you see that in the way that he manages and the way that, you know, he's just around the guys. He, he's just – he's very involved. I mean, you could sit and talk swings to him. You could sit and talk defense. You know, whatever it is. He's just yeah. – he, he just loves to talk baseball. Um, I really enjoyed playing for him and, and uh, you know, I, I, all the other guys do as well. I mean, how much do you pick his brain on hitting? Well, some. Um, but, but, you know, I, I mean – I think he's, um, I think he's really good when we ask him questions, you know, to, to answer. But I think he he doesn't try to do too much in that regards. I mean, you know, he, he's the manager, and Marcus and you know uh, Gonzo are hitting coaches, so you know he he certainly lets them do their jobs. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd be silly to be a player for him and oh, and, yeah. and not you know pick his brain a little bit every once in a while about hitting. So obviously, hitting is. Just not a problem for you guys. Actually, baseball right now in the month of August, everybody's down. Like overall slugging percentage, really? run per nine. Mm -hmm. You guys have scored the least amount of runs since the All-Star break, and you have this streak of uh, four runs or less for the last 23. How do you think you get out of that and really start swinging the bat well? Yeah, well, well I mean, we want to score runs, obviously, as yeah. an offense. That's, that's our goal is to, to score runs. And when you're not able to do that like you'd like to, it's it's frustrating. Um but, but to be honest with you, at the, at the end of the, the day, our, our goal is not to score five runs in a game. It's to win the baseball game. You know, we are a complete team. We are a complete unit. And, you know, we, we have really good pitching. We have really good defense. And we're going to win a lot of, you know, low-scoring games where we might not, you know, be scoring a lot. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about winning games and losing games. And, and our goal is to win games, not to score 20 runs, whatever it may be. Um, but, but that being said, you know, we, we definitely – would like to be scoring more. So I, I think just not trying to do too much. You know, you hear kind of all the cliche things, but but it is true when you're when you're struggling and as an individual and as a team, you know, it's it's just natural to kind of want to do it all in one game or one at bat and just you know put the put the big you know swing on the ball or drive the ball in the gap with bases loaded and and sometimes when you end up doing that, you, you know, you're just you're worse than you are, you know, if you're just relaxed and and trying to stay within yourself. So 
Um, I mean, we certainly have the guys that can do it. We certainly, you know, can can score more than four four runs in a game. For you know, um, we could we could do it at any any time, any night. Um, but you know, it's been it's been a rough stretch. There are guys that are struggling. I've been struggling. You know, we and uh, you know just just keep coming to the field, going, getting to work, and, and getting after it every day. Well, I'll tell you what. You mentioned your pitching. You got some crazy arms. I mean, Sandy yeah. Alcantara is arguably the best in baseball. Mm -hmm. The kid going last night, Cabrera. Yeah. I mean, you're talking throwing 98, and he's got a changeup that's 92 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. What's it like playing behind these guys? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, c coming into this organization, you know, you knew of Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Lozardo, but, but seeing the depth and, I mean, the guys that, you know, that are being brought up from AAA, the guys who are – you know, getting a chance for the first time, it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, we just, you know, it's it's really fun to see. It's encouraging, and I'm glad that I don't have to face these guys. And how is Jesus Lazardo doing? Oh, he's Another he's, former A. He's, he's doing great. He's doing great. I have to keep him in line every once in a while, but, but other than that, he's doing pretty good. Yeah, he was like, I get to go back home. And that, you know, it is special to go back home. Sure. Not Most guys don't get to play yeah. where they grew up. I mean, there's a lot of ticket requests, and there can be a lot of things with that, but it's also special that, you know, when you – grow up on the east coast and you're playing out west family doesn't always get to stay up that late so it's special to be able to play at home yeah i, I think he's uh i think he's enjoying it and he's he's done a really good job ha, you know had an injury that kept him out for some time but he you know he came back hasn't missed a beat we hear you got a ton of talent ton of young talent that's coming i'm sure you saw it in spring training we're seeing some of it on the mound if you have pitching the way you guys do how far away do you think you are be, to be able to say, yeah, we can compete with the Braves, we can compete with the Mets, we can compete with the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, not not very far at all. I mean, it, you know, I, our goal this season was to come out and play competitive baseball, make the playoffs, and, you know, I think if, if we do that and, you know, with our pitching staff, that we're, we're in every game, we're in every series, and I, I don't think we're very far at all from that. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, we've had some, some – underperformance on the offensive side and you know I think with the pitching that we have we're not far at all from that and I think you, you kind of see have seen that in spurts throughout the year and um, you know we, we've where we've gone on to play some really good games some really good series where you, where you get a little taste of you know how we can play and um, you know so no it doesn't seem like we're, like we're very far at all because your division's no joke mm -hmm. it's good yeah it's good yeah <laughs> it's a no lot of good players <laughs> yep I mean you look at the Atlanta Braves are doing it mm -hmm. again you know kind of not not the start they want here they are hot and you think about the Mets and uh, Phillies are coming on so yep. it's it's not yep. gonna be easy no no it certainly won't but uh yeah like I said I mean with the way that we can throw the ball and, and you know and can prevent runs from getting on the uh, you know on the board, then it feels like we're in every game. It feels like we're in every game at some point. Has much changed since the last time you're here? Uh, I mean, uh, the players. <laughs> uh, but but no, other than that, not too much, not too much. Yeah, we're talking to Kurt Suzuki. We'll end on this. He was always yeah. like, you know, I came up here playing for the A's. You came up here, so there's always like a. A special thing in your heart for this place sure, is it where course. it's all started. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, uh, that's where I got my first opportunity to play in the major leagues. Um, so it, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. And, and um, you know, 
and the guys as well, the guys that you play with, that you come up with, you play in AAA with, or you make your debut with. I mean, that's that's special stuff. And, um, you know, I'm still in, in touch and contact with a lot of those guys. And um, it's been really good to come back here and catch up with a couple of them and, and staff as well. You know, I mean, I have a lot of great memories from, from being in this organization and, um, you know, a lot of great people that treated me really well in my time here. Well, always we root for all the guys that wore the green and gold. Thank you for your time. Good luck the rest of the series and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Well, JP, I got to tell you, uh, last time I think I talked to you, you were a Toronto Blue Jay. It's a long time ago. Back in the day. Yeah, it's quite some time ago. How's everything going? Well, it's it's good. I don't have to stand in the box and face guys throwing 194 mile an hour changeups and sliders and, and walk back and get back to my hotel and look at the roof and think, will I ever get the hit again? So it's a lot easier from the booth, that's for sure. And you don't have to take it off the chest and your knees oh, yeah. and your hands and your elbows. Well, my knees are my knees are starting to bark now. It's kind of it kind of stinks after all the years. Of, yeah, people don't think about. It. That's why we say all the time we got these like young. The A's have a bazillion catchers in yeah. our system, and we're, you're always like, you may want to get a different glove because you <laughs> might last longer. Well, he's funny. I I was telling somebody the story. How many times in my career the old guys are stretching older, and they're young, and they're like, ah. You're not stretching. One day, you know what I'm talking about, and they're like, you know, it must be nice to be young. And then now, I'm like, I'm wearing hokas. I got huge soles so that my feet don't hurt and my knees are banged up. Like, I'll run, and then I'll I'll be in the booth and stand up to go to the bathroom, like, in between the game. And I'm like, goodness gracious, my <laughs> knees are killing me. It's just, I'm like, I'm 36, but... Come on, take it easy. I, give me a little bit longer before they start to bark, but they are. That's part well, of it. Oh, let me tell you, you go out and play golf, and the next day you get out of bed, and you're like, oh, my God, my back. Well, oh, you, it's you know what's funny about that? I just played 18 in L.A., and we had to walk because we are playing with some USC golfers. And you had to carry the bag? I had to carry my oh. bag. So here's, here's my feet were hurting so bad, <laughs> and my knees were hurting so bad that we get to the 11th hole, and I said, listen, I love golf. Not enough to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So call a cart. Yeah. And I got a cart. I was like, I'm not doing this. And literally, my feet were. I was. I was. I love golf, and I was walking around, and I was like, this stinks. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm good. So I. But that that just happened. So the broadcasting basically in your hometown. How's that been going? It's been great. You know, it's crazy because I didn't play for the Marlins, but yeah. I grew up watching them. Uh, and I and I love as a catcher. You know, you can you can speak in so many different. Uh, you know, spaces of the game, the bullpen, hitting, defense, pitching, you know, 
managing of, of trying to think with the manager. And so it's, I love teaching the game. I, I love really explaining to people, you know, why did he just throw this setup pitch to get to the next pitch? Why, you know, what was the pitch sequence? What did he do his last at bat that now they change sequences? So, you know, that's the stuff that I really enjoy. And I love, you know, teaching people that are watching the game when I'm on the broadcast for TV. And then when I'm on radio, it's a lot of fun too. You, you don't have the opportunity to teach as much, but it's fun to talk baseball for four hours. When you were a kid, you watched our manager, Mark Kotze. That's correct. That he, he, all these guys. It's, it's crazy. Actually, I watched Mark Kotze, and I was a huge fan. And then Ricky Henderson was here. And crazy enough, I was an A's fan growing up as a kid because Miami – Jose Canseco. Oh, yeah. So that was my connection. So here's this kid, Cuban, Cuban, from the same area. He went to a high school not far from my house. And then all of a sudden he is in the big leagues doing his thing. And so I was an A's fan as a kid, which is crazy. And I had a poster up of Ricky Henderson in my room. And obviously I was a slow catcher, nothing comparable <laughs> in, in our positions. But that was a guy I used to love watching. Isn't it a trip when you get into this part of the business and you actually meet some of these guys who you did have a poster of? Like, to this day, I'm scared to death to interview George Brett because he was my favorite player. And I just – you just never know when you go up to your favorite player wow. how the guy's going to be. You oh, just no. never know. So you, I've always, you don't want to meet your heroes at that So time, I've just I, – I've, I've, they've offered him, and I went, nope. I just don't want to do it because I don't want to ruin it. Well, I promise you, I can tell you this. I went to lunch with him, and you would love him. He is awesome. I went to lunch with him in Kansas City because Buck Martinez and him yeah. were boys, and we got to go to lunch, and he was a A-plus a dude. But I do know I, you meet people that you've had, you know, an affinity for. You thought that, you know, this is a person that was, like, way up here, and then you meet them, and they're a dud, and you're like, oh, well, now I can't look at them the same. Like right now, I mean, Ricky Anderson is right over here to our left. If you went up to any big league, you, you'd be like, oh, man. Yeah, that's it. I'd, be, I'd, I'd go back in time and take my poster off the wall. <laughs> That's it. Beat it. I, like, oh, that's it. You're off. I, you have to be a good person. I don't care how good you are. You know this. Like yeah. You're around enough, guys. You're a great player and amazing, but if you're a good person, then that's when you're like, wow, I love that person. Like I'm really a huge fan. If they're not, I'm like, you're out. And one of those guys that everybody had his poster because he had the gangster poster back in the day was Don Mattingly. You guys are around him. I, I mean, I don't even know if these guys really know players for the Marlins how good Don Manley was because he was like the elite player of his time uh, but what's it like Don Manley and seeing these young players and how they interact uh, he's great and honestly you know this I feel like guys that are Hall of Fame caliber which he was um, they tick different right they see the game differently it's just the way it is and so it's tough for a lot of like they always say the best players are not the best coaches because they don't see it as most yeah. people do but he's very relatable and that's the one thing that has always stood out to me is that he speaks the same language as everybody. You know, sometimes I've even heard stories of Ricky Henderson of guys when he was the, the running hitting or uh, the base running coordinator of them saying like, "Hey, watch this pitcher. Ready, ready, go." And the and the guys like, I, "I don't see what you see, right? He's special." But when you can have a guy that's that special and be able to, you know, really talk on the same level and 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 he he is such a like humble guy, you would never know it, but pretty special to be around him. You know, when I look at the Marlins offense, it kind of equates to what's going on this month in baseball, right? So the Marlins have scored the least amount of runs since the All-Star break. We know about the streak, four runs or less, last 23. But in the baseball notes, it came out today that this month, 
It's the second lowest slugging percentage since April. Runs per game, runs per nine since April. And home runs per at-bat, the highest since April. Well, April, we can always say, well, it's cold everywhere. That makes sense. Not August. So why? So what the hell's going on? Why, why are we not seeing offense? Well, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's a few things to that. One, pitching has gotten incredible. I mean, we, you got to see yesterday, Edward Cabrera. He's throwing, he's averaging 92.9 miles an hour on his changeup, That's, which is, how does which is insane, yeah. right? You start to think about, we run out five guys. Sandy's throwing 100. Cabrera can 99. Pablo Lopez up to 97. Lazardo up to 99. And then, oh, you got a guy that he doesn't throw as hard at the time. You're like, he throws 92, 93, which Braxton Garrity's been banged up. But you start to think about that. You're like, this is slow, 92, 93. So I think that pitching has gotten so good. And one thing I think, and I, I will say this, is for me, when I got to the big leagues, it was, it was about pound down, right? Fastball down, breaking ball, but everything was down. And what analytics has really taught and spin rate, I can move the baseball up in the zone. It's harder to hit up in the zone. And then now when I throw my breaking ball, it comes out of that same tunnel. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of things pitching has, has really taken a, a jump up, and they're way better than hitting. Uh, I think part of it is approach thing as well. There's still there's, – you, know, you don't see men on second base, a guy trying to, like, move the guy over anymore or little things like that. And, you know, you'll talk to guys. How many times have you seen uh, during a game the, the MLB research tool that it's like 950 hit probability and it's just getting to the track? And so guys are saying, like, if I hit that ball 105 at this degree, why is it not a home run? So they'll tell you, you know, the ball is a little bit different. So I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I love it, though. Bring it. But that's, you know, that's, that's the humidor effect. I mean, that's what I, that's what I see. I mean, that's what I see, again, and, and I will say this. Pitching is just ridiculous. I mean, it really – the guy yesterday that you guys threw, Aller, like, he's got a six and a half. He's throwing 93, 94 with good stuff. I mean, and that's considered like, oh, he's got a six and a half. It's a crazy game right now. The guys have gotten so good. Well, what, what, what's so interesting is when launch, can, launch angle became the rage – and as you said, no one's looking to choke up with two strikes. No one's looking to hit a guy over. It's grip it and rip it time. To combat that, it's tough to have launch angle if the ball's up. And when you start looking over and you're looking at Verlander, well, that, that's been working for this guy. Yeah. Everything's, when you start throwing 97, 98, 98, you can't, you can't launch that. No. It's like the pitcher's weapon. It's like now what do the hitters do to adjust back? Well, it's tough. I mean, uh, you try to stay on top of that baseball, but it's still not easy, right? It's it's not that easy to say just get on top of the baseball. Spin rate, when I played with the Rays, is when I really kind of understood what spin rate meant. You know, the ball doesn't drop as much as it would for the average spin rate guy. So if I'm swinging where I think, because our eyes can only adjust to what you think it's going to be, right? So you see a fastball 9 out of 10 times, and it's in a certain spot. But that one time that guy has that high spin rate, it doesn't come down. I'm swinging to where I think that ball's going to be. And, you know, that's where, again, I think that analytics and all that stuff. I mean, you look at the catchers. When I was a catcher, I'd go over a game plan. Did you set this up, by the way? Huh? Did you set up the tractor coming by, John Deere, while we're talking? we got a big thing going on here. Hey, Come you, on, guys. You get, every, you get everything oh here on Ace Cast Live. This right. is the only show in baseball that's right on the field. Well, it is true. You I get everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get the tractor, John Deere. I don't know what well, he we has. We got more back. tractors coming. Are you kidding me? Oh, this my. is live. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is a race. You guys have a race <laughs> going on here? Uh, no, but, you know, 
it's just crazy. You see, you know, I, again, I had a sky report, and I would, okay, hey, here's the A's. This is how we're going to approach them. Now guys have literally pictures of every batter, and it's like the zone, and here's where his fastball that he can't hit, and then here's where his breaking ball that he can't hit. I mean, and guys are good enough to execute, and I mean, makes it tough. Do you think that pitchers may pitch too much to what they're saying about the batters versus not pitching to exactly what's best for you? Well, there's a, there's a combination, right? I, I'm I'm a firm believer, and I always I love boxing, and I always refer it to if I was boxing somebody, I'm gonna throw my best punch because if I get knocked out because I was trying to use my third best punch and that was his hole, then I did myself a disservice. So it's a combination, right? I think analytics are phenomenal, but I think there's still the intangibles of did he just move up in the plate? Did that hitter just move back off the plate, right? Was he late on the fastball today? Maybe he's a good fastball hitter, and it says, hey, spin him to death. But if he's late, you kind of make it, uh, you know, you kind of help him out by throwing him a breaking ball. So there's the intangibles of the information, and then there's the intangibles of the eyes and trusting your instincts that, wait a second, this guy just backed off the plate. He's trying to give himself more space. And I know that it says to come in on him, but now that fastball way is open, right? So I think those are the little things that guys have to – really learn and you know it it takes time I think they take their lumps here in the big leagues because this is where you really learn so we have a young hot shot catcher that just got called up he was part of the Matt Olson trade Shay Langoliers Mm -hmm. from from Atlanta and right now we already have Sean Murphy established 27 in his prime gold glover what advice would you give Shay Langoliers who's not going to catch a lot he's going to DH he's going to be here for the rest of the year he definitely is a big part of the future but he's not going to catch a lot what advice would you give to him i'd be a shadow i mean you, you you're sean murphy's arguably the best one of the best offensive catchers and obviously he won a gold glove so if he ate a certain way in pregame i'd try to eat that way too if i watched him work out if i'd watch him take you know batting practice i'd watch how he prepared i'd i'd shadow everything that he did because that's, you know, you, you have to learn that way. I, I truly believe in the minor leagues, most guys are talented enough to kind of blow through stuff. Well, here's where you get kind of exposed. And so if you can have those guys that you can learn from, I had Jose Molina was my backup my first year in the big leagues when I was starting. And so I got to watch him. When I got called up in September, John Buck was our guy, so I got to watch him. And so as a young guy, you really dial into these guys and ask as many questions as you can because you have a – manager who raked right great hitter you have Sean Murphy who's who's I think one of the best catchers in baseball right now and he's a very you know good player himself and he doesn't have to be Sean Murphy because he's not Sean Murphy he is himself he's Shea and and that's what he needs to understand but you still learn you take from him what you can what you can get and that's that'd be my biggest thing and don't be scared to fail because I, I just had this conversation with Nick Fortes Everybody comes up and they think they have to, like, right away, if I don't do good, I'm not. Pull up Mike Trout's September numbers. Pull up Aaron Judge's September numbers of their first year in the big leagues. Aaron Judge struck out 50% of his at-bats. And I know this off the top of my head because I had the conversation. He had 84 at-bats. He struck out 42 times. Oof. And he hit, a, I, think he hit <laughs> I think he hit, like, a buck 90 or something like that. And Trout hit, like, 220. Yeah, was, yeah we saw it. And so it's like uh, these are two of the best in the game, in history possibly, but right now. And so – don't be short-sighted. It's really tough. We're always wanting to, if I make an adjustment in the cage, if I don't go two for four that day, I'm like, well, it didn't work. That's being short-sighted. You have to be able to 
really understand the process that it takes time and then that's how you learn is by you know taking your lumps well that's the thing it's really it's it's easy for someone like me to say this going hey you have to learn to deal with failure but learning to deal with failure in a game of failure is hard especially you guys grow up being so successful well and it's tough too because now you're kind of getting shot at by every you know possible avenue you have the paper media, right, that's asking you why you stink. You have TV that's showing you stink. You have Instagram that'll let you know that you stink. You have Twitter that'll let you know that you stink. So you have, and then you have fans. Yeah, Yeah, you have all these people that are blowing you up. And so then all of a sudden, and this is true because it happened to me, you end up going up to hit, and you're trying to hit against 500,000 people as opposed to face the guy that's on the mound because I want to shut this person up, and I want to show this person, and uh, you said this about me and all this stuff. And so... It's tough. I mean, I always laugh because I'm like, these old school coaches are like, oh, I don't know why, guys. I'm like, listen, when you played, a lot of you guys had phone cards, and you'd call your wife on the road and be like, hey, uh, we made it safe. See you later. And, like, now that's not the case. There's all this, this different stuff coming at you that you didn't have to deal with, and some people can handle it, and some people can't. And, uh, again, I think that's another thing is, is you have to understand, like, it's okay to stink first off none of those people matter right it's the guys here that matter the people that truly care about you none of those people that are telling you anything but it's okay to embarrass yourself and and i always use this analogy is we watch highlights on a daily basis we watch the homer we watched the double but we watched the homer but we didn't see two pitches before he swung and missed at a curveball that hit in front of home plate and so you you put it in you you put this in your mind like oh you know these all these guys do is highlights no if you watch them play on a Mike Trout swings and misses you know the best of the best they they make the fool of themselves at the plate but those guys are able to not have it affect the next swing or the next pitch or the next at bat or whatever it may be that's the biggest difference of the guys that are great and people like me that had to get out of the game after my you know sixth season well and you make a very good point about a lot of the coaches and even though we have some younger coaches but still social media wasn't how it is for these kids now it's it's just a part of them so you know they have it's a part of their brand it's a part of their identity since high school since even junior high whether you know they may not do facebook because according to my kids that's for old people oh yeah but yeah whether they have a twitter account instagram account and now fans can reach out to you forget just yelling at you from the stands they can actually reach you on your accounts i i I can't imagine but i i I'm sure they have to say, get off those accounts, man. Don't read it. 100%. And here's the thing, and I learned this because I used to, I was one that was very active. And it's, a, it's, you put yourself out there. What I learned is I was a very, I mean, I'm sure that it's, it's safe, it's easy to see that I love talking and I was around yeah. people and I was, I, I was always doing the community service and stuff like that. But you put yourself out there a lot in social media, whatever you, you're going to put yourself out there, but you're going to also welcome in the criticism right because the more you put yourself out there the bigger target you make yourself and you know that was a big thing for me so much so that i i got so tired of twitter that i was like hey i'm getting off twitter well the next day i had a message from my agent like hey you can't get off twitter and it was because one of the deals that i had was connected to my social media so i had to do a certain amount of posts so literally in toronto which was the silliest thing on the i'm looking at the ticker and it's like J.P. Aaron Sebia getting off Twitter. And I'm like, this is a story. <laughs> but then I had to get back on and say that my agents were going to control my account because it was like 
hey, you can't do this because contractually yeah. you have to post a certain amount of posts and all these different things. And so it's, like you said, it's part of the brand. It's part of everything. But, man, the least kind of negative stuff, because a lot of people say, like, it doesn't bother me. I've said, oh, yeah, it doesn't. We're human, right? At the end of the day, when people tell you you stink enough and they hope you die or all these different things, you're like, that kind of stings a little bit. Broadcasting's been huge for you, but have you thought about getting back in the dugout and maybe managing someday? You know, it's it's funny. A lot of people have told me that even when I got done playing, they said that you would be I'd be a great manager. And I think the only reason why that I, I know that I'd be a good manager is because I was a guy who was a, a great player and had a bobblehead, and I was a guy that was sent down, and I was a guy that was good and then stunk and had to fight my way back. And then really ultimately what ended my career was – I dealt with anxiety and different things, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I think now there's such a game plan for the game in the sense of front office and all that stuff. Managers' biggest roles should be to communicate, and that's all people ever want is to know where they stand and be honest, and that's something that I think, unfortunately, sometimes as subtle as it may be, people don't give it the, the emphasis that it needs because – it's like anything. Any young player, I walked by my manager and he didn't say hi to me. You walked by, I'm like, why didn't he say hi to me? Like, did I? Am I? Am I doing something wrong? Or I'm not in a lineup a certain day and it's like, and as dumb as it seems, and it's like, oh, you're a professional. It's like, we're still human beings. And I, I love analogies. I'm a big like, I always tell people, business people, when I talk to them, like, imagine you came to work on Monday and your desk was in one spot. And then on Tuesday you came and I moved your desk and I didn't tell you. Well, now on Wednesday, you're going to come and you're going to be uncomfortable and like, hey, what's the deal? But if I know, hey, this is where my desk is Monday and here's my desk Tuesday or here's where it is every day, I come to work not worried about all this other stuff. I just come to work knowing what is expected of me and and what I can expect to, to have an environment. And so that's where I think, you know, it's a big thing to communicate. Well, how about this? How about your desk is in Oakland and then the next day you show up, it's in Vegas in AAA. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, people don't get that. Enough. Like, and then and then all of a sudden your desk, right? Well, now we just traded you to Minnesota. Now yeah. you show up on Monday, but on Tuesday your desk your desk in Minnesota, and you're and you're reeling, and it's like, and again, I think a lot of it t- comes down to the conversations, right? Like a, a lot of times you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're going to send you down. They're going to keep you here, and you come to the field every day. Like if you're struggling. Am I going to get sent down today? Is today the day I get sent down? And, you know, I've had this where a hitting coach is walking towards me and my heart rate gets high because I think, here it is, I'm going to the, the manager's office, I'm done, and they, hey, let's go look at video. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it just that's the way that's it is. Tough. And it's not easy. And, and, again, that's where I think communication and different things, you're going to have hard conversations. But at the end of the day, I, I, I respect Heim Bloom a lot. I was with Tampa at the end of my career, played in the big leagues. The next year I got – was in AAA with them, and they called up Bobby Wilson. And I called him, and I was like, Bobby Wilson? No offense to Bobby Wilson, but I was like, dude, Bobby Wilson wouldn't have even scratched me as a player when I was doing my thing. I was leading the team in home runs in, RB, in, in AAA, all this stuff. And he's like, listen, man, the truth is is we don't think that you're good enough to play defensively, and we'd rather have him play there and because we prioritize our defense. And I was like, I hate you. But I respect you. I respect you, though, because was honest. you were honest with me. Yeah. And as long as I knew where I stood, that was it. So that's where I think the hard conversations, they're inevitable. They can be had. But you just want to know where you stand. And I think, you know, that's, that's why I say communication is so important because it's, it's a tough game. And as much as they're grown-ups, 
your manager is still your superior. So if you swing at a 3-0 and pitch and you, you take a bad swing and you pop up and you get out, you know you're upset. But if you come by the manager and he's like, hey, don't worry about it. I like that you were aggressive. Whatever it may be that you want to say, next time that 3-0 pitch, he might let it fly and hit a home run. Whereas opposed to if he gets that opportunity, he's got the green light. He's like, oh, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to. I don't want to upset somebody. And that's not what it. It's already hard enough. You should be able to just focus on what you need to do. I gotta tell you, I could talk to you all day, and I, I really appreciate the time you've given us. I, I wish we played the Marlins more, but you're the type of guy that just talking about the entire game. Like, keep your phone on and and rip rip Cody. But keep yeah. your phone on because uh, come playoff time, we're reaching out. I'd love to hear your analysis of what's going on in the postseason. Well, listen, my number won't change. I'll Maybe for Cody, I'll put, like, a restricted yeah. if it comes up because I try to throw a joke out there. No response. Not Seriously, even a, Cody, no response? He, he's, it's a joke. I, I knew it was, but it was my fault for not responding. And, I, like I told him before, JP, before he came on, I said, I appreciate the personality because you don't get a lot of that when you reach out to guests. It's either ho-hum yes or no. Well, or that's, no response. Why, that's why I like that you do radio because not all of your personality. You can be great on TV, but you can't do all of no. this on TV. Yeah, you can't have fun. You can't have this. You can have fun, but you just can't have the conversations and tell the stories and laugh. And I like to have fun. And what we hear, you guys are actually getting good ratings down there. Well, I, you know what? I'd like to say that some of the older ladies, fifty and up, I try to clean up well. You know, so. South Beach. Hey, South, you're making South Beach hey. to tune in at night? Listen, got the flower shirt going. You put a tie on this bad boy and a sports coat, you better watch out. I mean, I'm, I'm getting married in October, you know, my fiance, great woman, Tommy. But <laughs> ratings. So you, you go down to the Clevelander and all the TVs are on you. Oh. Then, huh? What you're saying? Watch out. I've done South Beach. <laughs> I, know how, I know how it rolls down there. Hey, great stuff. We really appreciate This is the end of the show? We talk, we're, this is the end of the show. This is it. You're, right. like, you're taking us out like a walk-off. Well, let's let's do it. However you have to go. Where's your where's your uh, your sponsorships? And what we you had Joey say? Wendell, former A. You he have Joey? At, oh yeah, Joey was. Hey, he started a, with the. What a. a gamer! No, no, no. I know he. I know. I'm saying that you had Joey on the on the. Yeah, he came over. Oh, yeah, he's great. Every we've had him. Every single time he's here, whether it's been for years with, with the Rays and now with the Mar, we always have he's all former A's plus. always come on because there is something about it. And as guy who grew up an A's fan, there's something about it that if you play here, this place is special to yeah. you. Well, I tried to tell that to the other guys that played here yesterday, and not many fans. And I was like, listen, I know that this is what it is, but when this place is rocking. It's kind of scary to play at, like as, an, as a visiting team. And also when you have to walk with the fans down into the dugout. Like, and they're right there? Yeah, they're on top of you. are like, yeah. hey, you okay? Like, take it easy. If these, guy, if these, guys, if, if these guys think, ah, they should have come to a Raider game. Oh, yeah. That true. was no joke. Yeah. Other teams were not happy. They, when they came here, it was no joke. Uh, Shane Langoliers, great advice by you for Shay. And then, of course, you were here. Well, I appreciate that. I'm glad that I was able to make it. was a long way from the uh, visitors' dugout. Obviously, you guys have a ton of foul territory here. So I had to, you know, my knees. I put a lot of effort to get over Next here. Next time, we'll get you a golf cart. Well, or a John Deere tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, A's and the Marlins right here on A's Cap. Shay Langoliers doesn't care about that. He cares <laughs> about winning the game tonight. It is great to finally have you on A's Cast Live. We have actually met. When I was doing hosting uh, A's pregame live on NBC California, you were on your way to the Futures game 
and we had you on. You're playing. I don't. Were you in Las Vegas at the time, or where were you? Yeah, I was in Las Vegas. And little did we know you were going to be the MVP in the Futures game. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty amazing for you. How was that? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know, just to uh, be able to play at Dodger Stadium. Um, had a good time out in L.A., uh, met a bunch of good dudes, and, uh, you know, it was fun playing in front of that big crowd that was out there. Yeah, and then to think that we knew at some point you were going to come up. I mean, how tough is that? You're playing so well in Vegas. You're so eager to get up to the big leagues. You know that you know you have to be patient, but it's easy to preach patience. How tough was it to be patient? Um, you know, it's just uh, I think especially in baseball, it just as hard as this game is, all you just try to focus on what you can control. And yeah. uh, obviously, um, every day my job is to get better and um, you know just go out and try to win a baseball game, whether it was in Vegas and now in Oakland so um, you know I just try to control what I can control and come out every day and try to get better and try to win a baseball game. Could we put a better scenario in front of you than making your debut in Texas in Arlington you grew up not too far away I mean that was like you could write a better script. Yeah it was uh, you know it was awesome it was a great experience um, all my family all my friends were able to come out and uh it was just a, you know, a special moment, a special three days for me, and um, you know, I'm very thankful for it. All right, take us through that first A.B., because <laughs> here it is. We, you know we've been waiting for you, right? We, the A's fan base, we've been talking about you uh, ever since the trade for Matt Olson. We heard that, oh, my God, this kid, Baylor, he can hit, he can run, he's a great catch. So we've been waiting. <laughs> we finally get to see it, and you go up there for your first at-bat, and you swing at the first pitch you ever see? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was uh, – honestly, I was pretty nervous. Um, but I thought, you know, just best way to get it out of the way is get that first swing out of the way. So if it was if it was remotely close to the zone, I think I was hacking almost regardless. And um, thankfully I got a pitch I could handle and got the barrel to it. All right, you rip it down the left field line. Then all of a sudden, you know, we don't see you come out of the box. We just kind of see there's like an awkward kind of stumble. <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs> um, so I was, I was running down the first, and I'm watching it, and it just, for some reason, I thought it was going foul. So I kind of I kind of yeah. just shut it down for a second, and I looked at the third base umpire, and he's pointing fair, and I was just like, uh, oh, I better get going then because the throw is already coming in. And, uh, you know, it just kind of um, first A-B, first swing in the big leagues and kind of hit panic mode, and I thought it was foul. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little crazy. <laughs> I could just see it like, should I go, should yeah, I not go? Yeah. last thing you want to do is get a base hit and then get thrown out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a moment. But that, that series, what did that – I know what it told for me, seeing you – I mean, I remember you ripped the ball your first day at bat the next game to the third baseman, uh, and then you're going oppo taco for the home run. It showed me how comfortable you got. But what did it tell you that first series against the Rangers? Um, yeah, I think the big thing was just getting comfortable. But, um, you know, when I started uh, putting good swings on balls and hitting balls hard, it, you know, it's just that extra confidence that you get from that. And, um, you know, that kind of carries over to the next day and the next day after that. And you just build off that confidence and you get more and more comfortable in the box. Well, you, you definitely look comfortable. And then how would you feel coming here to Oakland? Because this is the first time you got to see the Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I felt good. I think, um, you know, like I said, it's just getting comfortable and uh, sticking to my approach at the plate. Um, try to dial down the, the swings that pitches out of the zone. But, I mean, other than that, it's just all about focus and sticking to my approach. We did a deep dive on you. We went back to Steve Rodriguez, your old head coach. I played against him 
in college when he was at Pepperdine, of course, and he was the head coach of Pepperdine, had yeah. you at Baylor. And so we had him on, and I kept saying, all right, tell me you can play something other than catcher. Because right now, I mean, hell, I'll put you at shortstop. Where can – where – if I had to say to you tonight, and I'm grilling Katze on this, but Katze on this all the time. If I had to say to you tonight, you're not catching, you're not DHing, where would you feel most comfortable out on the diamond? Um, probably either uh, first or first or third base, or maybe one of the corner outfield spots. Um, I played a little bit of first base in college, and then uh, at the alt site in 2020, we were just trying to fill spots when we were inner squad, and I played a little bit of right, a little bit of left, and third and first. So I guess one of those positions. Well, I think about third, with your arm, you just got to knock it down and throw the guy out of first, right? <laughs> and you know how to block balls. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the hot corner, so it's mainly just reaction. So if I can keep it in front of me and get the throw off. Fran Reardon, your, your manager down in Vegas, when we had him on and we were talking about all the guys down there, he mentioned about you. He said, watch out, he's fast. <laughs> StatCast says he's fast. We got to see it on the triple. Did you know you broke our uh, our triple streak? Yeah, they told me about it after. 81 straight games we went without <laughs> a triple until you got the triple. Uh, tell us how speed is a big part of your game. Yeah, I think um, going into this year, one of my goals was to get – get around like 10 bags in in triple a obviously i didn't get to that but um i think that's just one of one of my underutilized tools is uh i'm i wouldn't consider myself a burner but i i can run a little bit and um you know as a catcher uh pitchers kind of just you know take you for granted on yeah. the base path so if you could take advantage of that and uh you know pick your spot and be able to take an extra base you know it's better to do it than to just shut it down and stay it you're right as a weapon because you know most people you see oh he's playing catcher yeah because you can run I mean, we're not saying you're like, you know, a 40-yard dash and we're going to put you in the NFL combine, but, yeah, you you can run a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, just just like I said, it's just, um, you know, always looking for that opportunity uh, within within reason to take that extra base and, you know, just give your team that advantage to get an extra run across on the board. What's the big league moment where you just go, wow, I'm here? Um, on it, uh, probably just that – that first day um, when uh, they announced my name on the on the lineup in Texas and I heard all my family, all my friends start screaming and just yeah. kind of looked around across the stadium. It's just like, wow, this is really cool. You know, there's uh, they always talk about the extra deck and all that type of stuff. And you just kind of look around the stadium and take it all in. And it was just it was a cool moment. Well, if you think about it, most guys on the road who make their de debut, the, the, the home crowd goes, who? I don't know who the hell this guy is. And you got your own section. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just, you know, I'm thankful. I grew up like 20, 25 minutes from there, so it was a pretty easy drive for family and friends. And uh, a bunch of my friends down in Waco from Baylor came up just because it's not too far of a drive. And like you said, I kind of had my own little fan section for those, those couple days. And when you look at what you got support-wise here now, to have a guy, a two-time All-Star like Stephen Boat, mm -hmm. to have Sean Murphy, how have they helped you since you've been here? Well, I mean, um, it's unbelievable. You know, I'm, I'm very blessed to have those guys around. It's just it, I can ask them anything or, or about anything and everything, you know. It's just uh, whenever they talk, I'm, I'm just like a sponge. I'm trying to take everything in and, um, you know, learn from them. I watch everything that they do, how they prepare, how they work with pitchers, just stuff like that. And, um you know, it's just uh, to have two guys like that around you at all times, is you, you're really lucky to have that. You know, it's so different catching now. You know, uh, Ray Fossey, our, our legendary 
broadcaster player, won two World Series with the A's, who passed away. Uh, we talk about how in the World Series they'd have three relievers. You now have a whole boatload of guys. So you had to learn all those guys in Vegas. Now you got to learn all the guys up here. What's that like as a catcher having to learn so many guys? What makes them tick? What they like to do under pressure? How tough is that? Um, you know, it, uh, if the, fir the first time you catch them is in a game, it, it could be pretty tough. But, um, you know, as soon as I got up here, I, I try to get out for pitcher stretch uh, as much as I can. Um, just talk to them about their, their pitch arsenal. Like you said, learn about their personalities, what they like to do, stuff like that. And once you get to know the guys, you get that comfort level. And then it just makes the game, you know, you get into that flow state that much easier. You know, one of the reasons why I asked you about playing another position is DHing, There's it's an art form. And usually... DHs were guys that were older guys who knew they couldn't play defense anymore, but they could still swing it and they mm -hmm. want to still play. Young guys are not really DHs. You want to play defense, and I think that's better for your offense. But since we know you're going to DH at least a lot down the stretch here, mm -hmm. have you developed a routine yet? Because there's a lot that goes on between every at-bat. Like, yeah. what, what do you do? Um, honestly, I think when I'm DHing, the, the catcher in me comes out a little bit. It's uh, it's hard for me to check out of the game and just you know relax in between at bats. So um, when we're on defense, I'm kind of locked into what you know what Murph's doing out there. Um, just the situation. I'm watching uh, Osmus uh, with the game, the running game signs, and um, you know just trying to pay attention to all that. So that when I do catch, it's just you know I'm on top of it, and it's that much easier when I get out there. Yeah, the more you think about it, how long Osmus played, you got. You got a bazillion catchers around here to yeah. help you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky. It's just you can ask those guys anything, and they got the answer. Hey, I've heard crazy stories about DH and like guys would take showers every between in between. <laughs> I've heard about a guy would go in a sauna. Yeah. I mean, because you got to keep your mind because there could be an hour. Yeah. Between your at bat, you know, what are you doing? So mm -hmm. there's something, you know, whether you're hitting balls in the cage or hitting off a tee or riding a bike, just keep the blood flowing. It's it's interesting how people develop different routines. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure, you got to stay loose. But for me, it's just I think it helps me just to keep my brain going, to stay locked into the game, and you know, like I said, let that catcher come out a little bit and just kind of um, mentally run through situations and pitch calling and the running game signs and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you this: this fan base is juice to have you here. We've been waiting. It's been wonderful to watch you. It's good to get to know you. I hope you and I do a lot of these interviews over the years. We'll yeah. talk to you again later in the season, spring training. But just know this. I mean, it's got to feel good that there's a whole fan base that's just been waiting to see you. Yeah, I mean, I'm super happy to be here. I'm, uh, you know, just ready to get after it and ready to try to win some baseball games. The future of the Oakland A's right here. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The great Josh Donaldson. This guy's one of our all-time favorites, obviously, man. Yeah. And Tony, you're the best. Go for it, you guys. How are you? Oh, hanging in there, hanging in there, brother. You know what, man? I got to tell you. It, it's so interesting when you think about coming back here 
and how much this place loves you and how yeah. much you love it. Yeah. I mean, this is where this is where I came up. This is where it all started for me. So um, it's always nice to get back in the bay. Well, you know, I was telling you a story. We were doing uh, our favorite A's, <laughs> and I was doing this whole thing. Who's your favorite A? And, you know, everybody, Ricky, da, 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 da. We're doing favorite A's. And then it gets to me. And everybody's like, oh, who's his favorite? I go, who's my favorite A? No question, it's Josh Donaldson. JD's my guy. <laughs> and on the phone, oh, waiting is David Forrest, oh, shit. The, the GM. And we bring him on. Go, David, hey, who's your guy? And he goes, Josh Donaldson is your favorite A. I'm like, you got to realize that's my guy, Josh. <laughs> and it just, your time here was so interesting because was. there was greatness. There was some animosity. There was yeah. a, It was just, but it, it still is such, when you look back on it, what, no matter what happened, such a good time because you guys won some big games. There's some huge games that we played here that, were, you know, uh, 2012 is still one of the craziest years. Uh, I think people will talk about it to where we won the division the last day of the season. I think we came back from, uh, I think it was like 11 and a half down 13, at the break. 13, something like that. Yeah, something ridiculous at yeah. the All-Star break. And to, to come back and, you know, sweep the Rangers for that entire series to win the division was, it was pretty, it was improbable, but kind of symbolized our story for like that entire season to where we got knocked down a lot early on and we were able to fight back and crawl and, uh, you know, we really had some guys establish themselves for the years coming after that, uh, which was which was awesome. You remember how loud and rocking this was <laughs> place, 12 and 13 against the Tigers? Yeah, man. It was, uh, you got the drums, you got, you know, the Oakland fans going crazy. And remember it was a sellout, and they were trying to get the tarps removed and to have everybody come here. And it was nuts. Uh for sure, one of the louder places in, in the playoffs that I've experienced. So how are things going for you now? You know, just living. We're about to have a baby uh, come out, uh, number two come out in probably about a week or, or really any day now we can get the call. Uh, so excited about that and excited about, uh, you know, the rest of the season. we got a good team over here in New York and um, starting to play a little bit better baseball. Hopefully, you know, we can keep that going. You know, that's the one thing when the A's were back in New York – the expectations were that the Yankees were just going to never lose and never go through yeah. a downtime and that you guys were going to win more games than anybody else. You're like, at some point there's going to be – it's a roller coaster ride. I know. I know. And then, you know, so at some point you know that there's going to be a down period. But now the big question is how do you get back to that going up the roller coaster? Yeah, I mean, I think throughout the year, uh, you know, to that point when we played you guys, we've been relatively healthy all year long. We've we've had we've taken a few uh, bumps and bruises. We lost a couple key pieces to our bullpen. Um, was able to uh, obviously make a trade with you guys and you know to bring Frankie in and um, bring Lou in, who uh, you know Lou's looked really nice the last couple outings out there, and you know to be able to get some other pieces in there that. Um, are playing a significant role for us and, and getting guys back on track in the bullpen that maybe had missed a little time earlier uh, didn't start off great. They're, you know, starting to pitch better. I just look at you in Yankee gear. <laughs> it's I, like, yeah. I, when you first put it on, yeah. how did you feel? I don't know. I, I didn't know. You battled these guys for years. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> you know, not only for the A's, but, you know, playing in Toronto for, yeah. for so long. And, um, uh, 
But I knew the opportunity it was going to be a great opportunity. Uh, so did I ever see myself putting the Yankee uniform on? I, you know, I'd, probably not. I didn't think that, but it was an opportunity where I felt like, um, uh, you know, once I got that, I was looking forward to it. I can tell you, I was. I remember doing, you know, this talk show when when you got traded, and it was just like, oh god, it was the worst. And I said, watch. He's going to go there, and he's going to flourish. That place is a bandbox. Yeah. All those ballparks in the NL East. AL. And uh, AL East said, all you did was go on and not only win an MVP, yeah. you got the most votes for the All-Star yeah. game. Yeah. Just what was Toronto like for you after you left here? Uh, you know, Toronto, coming into that time, Toronto as an organization, it had been a little while since they won. And, um, you know, being able to go to – you know, win the division, that was uh, something that hadn't been accomplished, I think, in like 22, 23 years. And obviously coming from the A's, we won the division twice, and then uh, we probably should have won the division in 14, and kind of some crazy stuff happened where we had a bunch of injuries the second half, and we backed into the wild card game and probably played one of the, you know, craziest wild card games, in my opinion, to, uh, where we had that game kind of unlock and then it fell apart. Um, Going into 15, we were a 500 ball club going into the All-Star break, and we had guys doing their thing in the All-Star break. But I remember when we made the trades uh, for David Price and Troy Tulowitzki and added some arms in the bullpen, and then get Marcus Strobe back in September, like that place was crazy. Like I mean, it was the city was a buzz, and you know we knew every every time we took the field that we were probably going to win the game. That's what we felt like, and that was. Uh, kind of a surreal moment for me going into that clubhouse and seeing like now you had names like in there that had had big time success with Tulo, with David Price, uh, Joey Bats, Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, now you're just looking around, you're like, holy crap, this kind of feels like an all-star team a little bit. And uh, to where when I was at Oakland, we had dudes that made the all-star team, but were more kind of probably known as grinders versus, like, that type of, like, superstar. It was a different scenario. Yeah, right, right. But you had a bunch of dudes at 14. You guys all went together. Yeah, we had seven guys make it, and I think that was a quality of how good our, our ball team was. And um, But you, you just had, like, multi-time all-stars, like so many of those guys in, in that lineup and in that clubhouse. What was that like when you got the most votes for the All-Star game? You literally had the country of Canada behind you. It's one thing like, you know, whether you played here or Minnesota or Atlanta yeah. or whatever, you have yeah. a town behind you. Yeah. You had a whole country behind yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, first off, Toronto is the third largest city in North America. I don't think people realize that. And uh, then on top of that, you have the you know the country of Canada that's behind you. And it's, uh, you know, the love and support and, you, you know, truly I like in Toronto, they love athletes and they want to have, want you to have success and to have those people behind you was, it was, it was great. And to, to lead the whole start game in bullets was kind of a surreal moment for me. I know it's crazy. I remember just going, wow, that's mm. a whole different ball game uh, for you at this point got the big contract got the mvp mm -hmm. is it now just it's all just about winning a world series yeah i mean for me that's the only thing that i really i've, I've went to the playoffs numerous times been in you know several alcs games and haven't quite got there yet and hadn't quite finished it off and obviously that's going to be something that's important to me and 
uh, we feel like we have a good opportunity to accomplish that. Obviously, we're going to need some breaks to go our way, and when it comes to that time, and um, you know, that's 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 when it starts getting really fun. I miss having you on the talk show talking college football. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, uh, I mean, think about it. think how crazy. Okay, in your world of War Eagle and the SEC, mm-hmm. USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. I mean, the, the whole landscape of college football is so out of whack right now. Texas and Oklahoma going to be in the SEC? Uh, yeah, I I hope I don't know if they're going to, but I hope they just completely redo the divisions for the SEC. Uh, with all the new teams and stuff they have, they need to have a realignment for the West and the East. Uh, because there's no reason really where, why Alabama and Auburn should be in the same division. Now, you could still play every year and have that the rivalry game. The Iron Bowl. You have that, but you know, now to have Texas, Oklahoma, to where you could kind of put those pieces, one piece on each side, or, or maybe have it. I don't know. I think it just needs to be realigned with all the new teams, and it, it kind of the outlook uh, of college football is wilder than ever. And, you know, with the NIL deals and, you know, there's just so much money that's being made. And that's what, you know, obviously – what everybody's trying to do i mean you were living in it not that long ago mm-hmm. i mean did you ever think you could see something like this while you were at auburn that the sec i mean the sec is basically a pro league now no the doubt. way the, the money they're making the television contracts they're they're essentially the facilities a pro the facilities that these guys have now and you know what they have on tap there to access and you know for me like football guys especially <laughs> These college guys, I mean, they're literally putting their lives on the line. It's, they're one hit away to where they might not play again. So if they need to make a little cash I, I, for all the money they're bringing in, I'm all for that. Man, it's great to see you. I know you're busy. I appreciate you stopping <laughs> yeah, by. Yeah. I've always said it. I've never, no matter what, you've been my guy. Uh, what you did for me in those times when the A's were coming up and what you did for me on the talk show, one of my favorite stories ever was you were going back to Sacramento <laughs> and you called up. My, my call screen was like, this guy says he's Josh Donaldson, that he, yeah. he knows you. And I'm like, yeah, it's J.D., bring yeah. him on. I mean, th- those were the good – it was so innocent. It was so different, yeah. and it was so fun. Yeah, that was – I should tell one of my homeboys, he's from around here, he came over last night, we were chatting, and I was told we were going over that story again. I was like, man, I'm like <laughs> – I remember I just got to sit down at AAA and – I was listening to you guys on the show, and I'm like, yeah, Josh Donaldson just sent down. Luke Hughes uh, picked up off waivers, and I'm like, I'm going to call him, man. I called it, and I'm like, hey, I know I just got sent down, but this isn't the last time you've, you've seen me. And I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. Hey, that's just always what I've – I wanted to – partly that was me holding myself accountable for that as well. I'm like, hey, I'm, this isn't the end, you know. Are we going to see you back at the AT&T anytime soon? Uh, I don't know. I'm on the East Coast, and it's tough for me to get it's back Pebble out there. Pebble Beach, come on. Yeah, well, the last time I played there, I made the cut, and they said they were going to whack some, whack, take one of my uh, strokes away. And I'm like, I'm going against guys that are getting 15 shots around, <laughs> and I'm going to have to shoot eight under on my own ball just to have a chance. And, you know, I'm not doing it. Yeah, those CEOs get a lot of strokes out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to figure that out. <laughs> if I could figure that out, I'd be out there. But, you know, they're giving me two shots around, and these guys are getting 15. That's kind of it's hard to compete against. Well, you know, always here. Yeah, We're always going to love you, man. man. You're the man. 
around the A's. You're always going to be family to us. I appreciate you. This is where it started, and you know, always do. I always appreciate getting back. Good luck the rest right. of the way. Thanks, man. Lou Trevino's back. Are we live right now? We're live right now. Oh, nice. Sit down. Have a seat. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm just. I need to adjust to what you looked like when you were a kid with no <laughs> beard. Uh, I definitely lost whatever attractiveness I had. It's it's gone. <laughs> what was that? What was it like when you shaved it and you looked in the mirror? It was disgusting. I forgot. I realized I had no uh, no chin. You know, it goes mouth, neck, no jawline. So it really uh, the beard hit it. But you know, it is what it is. You know, I was thinking about this, and you may not remember, but it was right before you got traded. We didn't, we we had no idea what was going to happen, right? And I was late coming down the steps. You were coming up the steps. Normally, Lou, what's up? How's it? You know, there's a conversation. I was like, Lou, how you doing? And I kept going, and then you got traded. I went, oh my god, I felt so bad, and I didn't get to say like, Lou, what's up? And the next, you know, you were gone. That was rough. I mean, for a lot of fans and everything, you you, uh, you leaving. I mean, what you meant to this to this team. I know what it meant to you. It couldn't have been easy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I let <laughs> I let the fans down a little bit this year with leaving with a six. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, it's been the the years that I've been here, the friendships that I've been able to to have, uh, not only with the front office teammates. I mean, I've been able to meet a lot of fans like. It's it's definitely different to be in another another uniform playing for another team in another city, um, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss Oakland. I'm I'm gonna miss all of it. Well, I'm happy for you because yeah, there are times a reset's great, right? You you go somewhere and now now you're not worried. You're not trying to get everything back in one outing. Now you can get back to being yourself. Have you felt like that in New York? Yeah, I've. Uh, Ironically enough, I, I feel I feel great. Um, I've been as the more I throw, I feel like the better I, I've I've been getting. You know, they've uh, they've had a few tips for me, and and I feel like like, like my old self, like 2018-19 Lou. Um, you know, I feel like uh, I'm 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 getting the cutter back, which was my pitch that used to be my bread and butter. And the last two three years, I've lost it, and and they've they've been able to show me a, a few things to get that back, and 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 I, I've been feeling better and better. Um, and you know it's nice to um, it's, it's nice to have have that success that I know I could have. You know it's it's nice to have that again. And past success is always huge. And I think about one of the greatest moments of your career because your family was there. The wild card game, you stepped up huge at Yankee Stadium. How much could you call on that moment for when you got traded and you went out there and started pitching for the Yankees? Uh, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely good to have that success there. You know, it is a smaller bar ballpark. It's very hitter friendly, and and at times, especially with the crowd, you know, it's it's easy to get out of it. But uh, to be able to have the success that I've had at Yankee Stadium, you know, it's it's a good um, uh, reminder of how how good you can be. You know, once you go there, and 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 I've enjoyed it so far. It's been it's been awesome. When you stand on the mound and you look out at right field, you just like just go, really? It's that it's that short? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fly ball. You kind of hold your breath, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's. I mean, it's like a sandwich to get it out of there. It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, how I feel is how hitters feel when they come here. When they look at all the foul ground, they're like, "Are you kidding me? This is this is in play right here." Yeah, yeah. You know, so every every stadium has their has their advantages and, and disadvantages, um, but you know, I, I I couldn't be I couldn't be more thankful and blessed to. To have had had the career that I had here, 
and and also to to start start my, uh, my the next chapter with with the Yankees. You know, I I think about you guys coming here, and you know, we were just talking about you know, no one wants to hear people complaining about traveling and stuff like that. You guys travel and such such luxury. But I was talking about for East Coast teams, they love coming out here because you don't have humidity. You can come out and have batting practice, and it's the nice weather. Have guys talked about that since you guys have arrived? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's it's beautiful out here. You know, California has probably one of, if not the best, weather in, in all the United States. I mean it's it's beautiful year round. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is as an East Coast team is coming out here than having to go back and 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 being on on short sleep. You know, you get sleep sleep yeah. cycles kind of switch. So you know when when you're here in the West Coast, it's easy. You know, you know you only have a week out there, and when you go back, you're gonna be fine. But when you go back there and it's three o'clock and it feels like twelve. You know, sometimes that can be tough, especially playing day games. But, um, yeah, it, it is, it's nice to not have to deal with the humidity, the sweating. Uh, like, you know, we had our first rain delay. I haven't had a rain delay in, I feel like, years, <laughs> you know. So I, I can I could count on one hand the yeah. amount of times it rained here, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's just been perfect weather all the time. So it's, it's definitely an adjustment, but, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, we were asking Josh Donaldson this, and obviously it's been a while since J.D. played here. But, you know, when you think about – your time here you pitched in some big games some real big games have you had any time just kind of reflect on your career with the athletics oh yeah absolutely I feel like I I reflect on all the time but there's a I feel like and I could be wrong here and maybe ask me in 10 years it'll be a different answer but when you start reflecting on something that you're currently doing you kind of get stuck in the past you know what I'm saying yeah there's um it's, it's nice to think about, you know, I mean, if you step back and, and the, the fact that God's blessed me with the job to play a little, little league game, you know, essentially, that, that's what I get to do for, for a living. But if you get stuck on that, you kind of you kind of lose that edge. You're always, you know, I mean, that's kind of how life is. You know, you kind of you, you got to you got to look for, for the next thing, although you take you do take a step back and you enjoy it. But I feel like I, I won't have the time necessarily to to really step back and look at it until, until my career is over, because now I'm focused on. Focus on the next thing, you know. Focus on, you know, hopefully win a World Series with, with the Yankees. So it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe I have a different answer in, in, in ten years when my career's over. Hopefully, it's twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hopefully, I'm retired and you're still playing. <laughs> that'd be something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I have to think the big winners beyond just you has to be. Like your dad and your mom, oh, yeah. they don't have to stay up late anymore. They can actually watch games at a normal time. Just how to have their son back on the East Coast, not staying up late, has to be huge for them. My my family and my dad in particular have been super giddy. You know, yeah. like you don't have to stay up till one o'clock because that's when I pitch. One o'clock. All right. My mom's usually asleep. My dad's all right. Hon, hon, get up, get up. You know, and my grandparents are able to go to sleep at a, a decent time now. But, you know, it's nice to be able to be home, and if I want to, you know, I live two hours from, from uh, New York City. So if I wanted to, I'll take, I could just go home and, and see everyone. I have a little niece that, and a little nephew. With, you know, I haven't seen them in, you know, ever since I left for, for the season. So it's nice to be that close. And I know with my, my parents, um, they were able to see my, my Yankees debut. Yeah, and we was, saw it. It was great. You yeah. Got to, yeah. yeah, I mean, we got to work on the handshake a little bit, but uh, – um, but yeah, it was it was it was good. It's 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 nice to be back on the East Coast. Nice to be close to family, and it's it's been a real blessing. I mean, not to talk too personally about it, but you've moved to Florida. Yeah. And you know you have your life there now, and you'll train in Florida. Will make it a lot easier for you. A lot easier, and I don't have to worry about shipping anything. You know, you just 
make the drive from from uh, from the east side to the west side two hours three hours whatever it is it, you know it makes it definitely makes things easy um but you know like i said i'm, I'm definitely gonna miss arizona i'm gonna miss i miss it here you know again I, I can't i can't begin to thank the a's enough for 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 the years that that they've they've given me i feel like there's there's at times where i know i'm, I'm sure if you're a fan you're like what what the heck's this guy still doing up here especially some at certain points this year but to have the a's believe in me um you know the, the teammates have been <laughs> talking about the lack of beard it's crazy um but yeah just the, the to meet the people that i've met you know I, I again i know i've said this a lot but i i really couldn't be more blessed you know, God's blessed me beyond what I deserve. So I'm I'm so thankful just to, to to be able to to be able to come back. And it's nice to be able to come back here, not years later. You know, I I feel I was just here three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, so it's good to see everyone again. And yeah, it's just it's it's been it's been fun. Well, you're grateful. It's what makes you a really good guy, and that's why we've always appreciated uh, you coming on this show. And you're real honest. There were some struggles, and you've always owned up to it. You know, some people shy from it. You don't. And I think that's going to help you in New York. And throughout the rest of your career, because, you know, when you get in, in a big meteor market, they're gonna, if you ever do bad, they're going to ask you about it. you got to well, be I'll a man about it. Well, I'll never do bad. What are you talking about? No, I'll, never, I'll never struggle. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> you will just be, you're Mariano Rivera, and you're in the next. Exactly. you got the cutter back. Exactly. Is that, by the way, just from, you know, getting into it, when they start giving you suggestions because obviously when they traded for you they said we're going to take him and we're going to try this mm -hmm. when you started doing those changes were you like wow i didn't think about that or why didn't i think about that yeah it's it's uh it's it's interesting how i guess i've never had you know i've always had one pr perspective i've been with A's for years you know yeah. i've been training where i've trained for years and I've never got different perspectives on things. So to get another perspective and, and thinking uh, different thoughts when it comes to not only pitching, but the, you know, mechanics, whether whatever it is, you know, I, I got a different perspective. And like I said, I've been feeling better and better and better. So it's nice, you know. I've always known what what I'm capable of doing. I showed that in 2018 and 19. I'm not saying I had a bad year last year. I thought I had a pretty good year, but it wasn't up to you know my standard. You know, I, I have a tough time accepting me mediocrity. I guess that's why I've all, I'm always trying to get better and better. But um, and I, I feel like I feel like I'm 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 arriving to where I I should have been for the last two two three years. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm thankful for for the Yankees kind of seeing seeing the, the potential. That, that I had, and, and I feel like they're, they're going to help uh, exploit it. And I know for, for Frankie Montas, he got off to a tough start, obviously, the, the family yeah. uh, problem that he had, and you feel so bad in just a rough way. Uh, last start was better, and because, you know, we're rooting for you guys and would love to see you guys win, and uh, hopefully Frankie, from a mindset, is doing a little better now. Yeah, Frankie's going to be fine. Uh, it's it's one of those things, I mean, you know, uh, from, from a – from an outsider's perspective, I don't think you see you see a guy just go out in the mound and just throw strikes. It's that easy. Well, he threw what eight innings in, in in July, so he's been he hasn't had the 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 consistency when it comes to throwing, and then to throw you know a family loss in in the mix, traveling all over over the place, getting traded. You know he hasn't had that uh, uh, the re repetition that we're used to having. You know, as a baseball player, you come out and throw you throw every single day. You know, I know for me in the All Star break four days sometimes that feels like I haven't thrown for a month and then I sometimes I struggle after the all-star break just because you're used to throwing and throwing and throwing and all of a sudden you stop for four days so he stopped for I don't know two weeks uh, essentially and then started throwing again so 
I, I mean, I wasn't worried about it because the guy is disgusting. He's filthy. He has some of the best stuff in all baseball. And I think last last game he kind of proved that he started to look like himself again. And and I know that, you know, as, as the year goes on, as he gets consistency when it comes to throwing and everything else, he's going to be just as nasty, if not more, you know, coming down the stretch. Well, I can't thank you enough how good you've been to us for all these years. It's been fun to watch you grow. And what's crazy is we hate the Yankees, and now we got to root for the Yankees because of you and Frankie. It's like, no. Like, it's like it's one thing if, like, Bassett gets traded to the Mets. Who cares? It's the Mets, right? You get you went to the Yankees, but we got to root for it. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. They're like, you went to the evil empire. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm happy to be here. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Because Pennsylvania people don't love New York. No, as, uh, as growing up a Phillies fan, when they beat us in 2019, like, that really stung you know but uh no it's it's yeah it's 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 awesome again i I can't beyond thankful no hey listen thank you for everything of course we'll be rooting for you yeah we'll be rooting for you that's gonna do it for we're gonna end ace cast live today with the great lou trevino how about that (laughs) say goodbye to ace fans see you guys thanks for everything how are you zach jackson how you doing so how you doing doing good yeah like i say glad to be back have you ever been do you even know what this is the Ace Cast? No, the Treehouse. This is my first time. Olivia was explaining it to me on the way up here. No, I, I mean, I could see the advertising sign uh, from the field. But other than that, I've never been up here. So. so this, this, so when they built this, this, this hole was built for the Raiders, right? Okay. And this was just a generic bar that was for football games. That you know, every once in a while they opened up for A's games. The A's took it and we turned it into a treehouse, and it's kind of been the party place for families and whatever parties and happy hour. I knew it. Like, you guys have no idea what goes on up here. I was going to say, outside the locker room in the actual field, I, uh, I don't think we experiment too much with getting around the stadium. So it's cool to see. Yeah, like I said, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's been a very unique place, and that's why I wish you guys, like, when when Chris Davis signed his contract extension, we got all the players up here. Got yeah. like a, that's what Olivia was just telling me about. Like, one of the first big events up here for the players was actually getting everybody up here to see him sign. Yeah. So. So right now, how you feeling? Feeling good. Yeah, like I said, got, uh, I guess, about six weeks left. So we're, you know, like I said, hanging on, just getting a lot. Obviously, a lot of young guys, you know, some experience up here, kind of seeing how everybody works out. But, yeah, like I said, it's it's a long season for the first time for a lot of us young guys. So we're just kind of learning how to manage our bodies at this point and, uh, you know, get to the finish line. You know, most people don't think about that. But here you're talking about 162 games where – you're having to manage that many games with all the flights, hotels, and all that different stuff, throw more innings than ever before, throw more pitches than ever before, and I, especially for you in high-leverage situations like never before. Yeah, it's definitely something, uh, you know, obviously from my perspective, you wouldn't want to be throwing any other situations, so it's been yeah. really nice. But, yeah, obviously the increase in appearances uh, definitely didn't help with COVID year, not playing at all that year for, you know, guys like me. Um, last year I had a shortened season with an injury. So, you know, it's definitely uh, trying to learn how to manage my body. And, you know, you don't think about, like, the jump in intensity, you know, from even if you're closing games out, double-A, triple-A, it's not the same. You could you could throw, a say, a mop-up inning at this level, and it's, you know, significantly more intense. You definitely feel it a lot more the next day than you do at that minor league level. So that's definitely the biggest adjustment. Tell us what it's like inside you, those final three outs, out there on the mound. It's the finality of the game. You're the Grim Reaper. You've come in, and it, this is it. 
What is that like, and what's it like inside? That's what you dream of. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, especially coming up as a reliever, so I've kind of known my role for so long that it's just kind of coming in knowing that, man, if you get to close out a big league game, it doesn't get bigger than that. Like, that's, you know, regardless of the situation, getting those last three outs, it's never easy. Always seems to be the hardest three outs of the game to get. Um, but, yeah, like I said, especially as, as a rookie, getting a few of those opportunities, it's been huge, you know, for the experience factor. I know a lot of us have gotten, you know, the opportunity to get those last three out this year. Uh, so I think for all of us it's just been a big learning experience and, you know, really learn how to handle that pressure and try to thrive in it. Well, well, you know, I think about your season. You've had quite a few different roles. How does that work for you when you go down? Do you always know you're going to close? Could it be a situation I could come in the seventh, I could come in the eighth? What it, What's the game plan mostly for you? Yeah, I mean, usually the way it's gone this year is Acevedo's been great at being our guy, kind of the first guy out of the pen. Um, you know, to say a starter gets in trouble in that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh inning, we know that he's usually going to be the guy to get out of that. He's been great in that role. Um, so usually he'll be that first righty up. We get a guy, you know, especially what Cole's been able to do lately where he's getting us into, you know, seventh, eighth inning of ball games. Um, we know if we're trying to, you know, say switch hitters or obviously mainly righties that are facing him, you know, get a righty like me in there. So a lot of times it's just kind of knowing the situation of, you know, if lefties or righties are coming up and then, you know, whether it be Puck coming at the end of the game, uh, if there's lefties coming up, Sam Mole, uh, and then, you know, Danny obviously being back now, uh, being able to close that game has been, has been really nice for us just knowing we have another guy at the back of that bullpen that knows what he's doing. Well, how about this? I, keep, I got a scorebook, and I keep score every game, and I don't have it with me here in the treehouse. But if I did, I would open it for you, and we'd flip through all the pages, and you see Acevedo, 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 Acevedo. <laughs> and it's like every single time you look down, he's up again. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's like it is amazing how many times he's thrown this year. I mean, do you guys sit back and go, wow. It is uh, It is something that is heavily discussed down at bullpen, the, you know, j just how well he's done, you know, being, again, another guy at this level for the first time, that kind of workload and just being able to come in every day, know what kind of work he needs to get in before the game to go out there and give his best stuff. And he's done incredible at it this year. You know, it's, it's fun to see him work. And I know the starters have a lot of faith in him coming in, especially if, you know, they're coming out of the game with their guys on base that, you know, he's done extremely well this year at, at succeeding in that role. Well, and if you're going to pitch that much, you just have to realize that there are going to be days where you don't feel great. There's going to be days where you don't have your best stuff, but it doesn't matter. You need to come in and get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's I think that's one of the bigger things at this level. You know, usually coming up in the minor leagues, especially if you go more than one inning or, you know, say back-to-back -back days, there is no chance in the world that you're pitching that day. And up here, it's, you know, you're available every day, and it's going in and, you know, learning how to pitch it some days at 80 85%, seeing, you know, however you have to pitch that day to get guys out, and that's what you need to learn how to do in those situations. And like I said, just for a lot of us young guys, that's been one of the bigger things is learn how to pitch on shorter rest when you're tired out there. And, um, you know, I think that it's been a great learning experience. How much do you anticipate when you're down in the bullpen while watching the game going, ah, phone might be ringing, get that <laughs> – you get the exercise band going. You might start stretching out. How much do you anticipate? Yeah, like I said, it's, it's been easier down the road just because you kind of know the roles that you're falling into. Uh, earlier in the season, it was honestly a lot more stressful because all of us are trying to figure out what roles we're going to be up here. You know, Cots has no idea what we're capable of. Um, Emo, same thing. It's just kind of figuring out, giving us chances and different opportunities and uh, kind of seeing what we can do with it. So as of late, you know, it's been easier just because we really know what situations we're coming in. But it's been a uh, – Again, just another learning experience and kind of, you know, 
handling that anxiety and making it as uh, quick as you can, just knowing what situations you're going to be coming into. All right, I'm getting the wrap-up sign because obviously oh, okay. it's, it's a different deal. Yeah. Uh, normally we're on the field. He, he'd be out earlier. We could talk more. How fired up are you? College football, it's right around the corner. Man. Got that. Uh, the one I'm excited for is it, is it in Ireland that Northwestern Nebraska game? Yeah, I, that's the one I'm looking forward to. It's I'm sure it's super early in the morning uh, tomorrow, but that's what I'm excited for. Uh, obviously a different environment, but I'm kind of excited to see if Nebraska is you know gonna come back eventually, or if it's just gonna be another year of disappointment. So yeah, I'm just excited to have something on. How about the Hogs? How are your Hogs gonna be? Yeah, we got Cincinnati Week One, so I think if we can get through that test. Uh, I think we got A&M week four and then Bama week five. So those are going to be the, the big three that, you know, we're, we're looking forward to. I think it's going to be a good year for us. A lot of people go, God, you guys talk a lot of college football. <laughs> Our buddy Josh Donaldson, you remember, played here for years. Yeah, absolutely. For, Josh used to call up my show, my talk show years ago, to talk college football. He's an Auburn guy. I knew he was an Auburn guy. He's an yeah. Auburn guy. So he, we were talking, yeah, he came over yesterday, was on the show. He was talking Auburn going, you know, you start looking at the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. It's like you guys got to, like, redo this SEC, it's right? I mean, it's, it's getting so big, too. It's like eventually it feels like there's going to be, like, three conferences in college <laughs> football. And then it's just going to be everybody else is just kind of out. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see how it shakes out the next few years. But I'm, I'm super excited, yeah. All right, I know this was limited time. Next time we get – College football will have started. We'll truly break it down, down on the field. We have more time. We always love having you on. We appreciate it. You're doing a great job this year. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. You are who? I am David Feldman. One of the reasons, normally we do our top tens with you, Feldy, but today we're talking about the 0-2 team and specifically the 20-game winning streak. You are one of only two non A's, employee, personnel, however you like to talk about. A guy who wasn't getting paid by the A's <laughs> is the most simple way. Who is here for all 20 games? Just yeah. you and the great Ray Fossey. Yeah, all 20 games. I was working with uh, A's television at the time, uh, KICU on the broadcast side. And it was Fox Sports Bay Area on the cable side. And uh, I was all, well, I was at every game that season. I was at every game for five straight seasons, but every game of the streak. And uh, so I saw it all. And it was, uh, you know, it's 20 years ago, and it's still as fresh as, uh, as yesterday. You know, we were talking to Billy Bean earlier today, and like I said, you're going to see it at 4.30 about it. And, you know, for the streak, we remember it as A's fans. I was at KMBR at the time working on the morning show, and we remember how great it was, but Billy kind of put you back into reality going, listen, the Angels were winning every night too, so – you know, as a, as a general manager at the time and back when Billy was you know, a younger GM doing everything he can to win every single game and he's gripping everything, you couldn't really sit back and enjoy it because you weren't gaining the ground you normally would in a streak like that. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about that year, right? You look at the 2002 year, and we've seen the movie about it, um, and they got off to a tough start. I mean, they, again, no Jason Giambi, no Johnny Damon, no Jason Isringhausen. So they brought new players in. And it takes a while to jut, to gel. And this team didn't really gel the first two months. And they got they had a terrible road trip. They went one and six, got swept in Toronto, long flight home. Uh, flight home, there was stuff that went on on the plane. We get back to the ballpark on Monday, and it was like dark Monday. 
right? Frank Menachino set out. Yeah. Jeff Tam set out. Carlos Pena, the guy you traded to be your first baseman. Not like in the movie. Hatterberg wasn't going to be the first baseman right away what? there. What? I know, I know. It's easy to play first <laughs> base. I saw the movie. <laughs> saw the, so Carlos Pena was your first base. He's sent out, right? And the next day they trade Jeremy Giambi. And it was just cleaning house. But it worked, right? This, this team, they were 10 games out at one point. And then they get to play the National League Central. They played the Giants and also the National League Central. They went 16-1. and one. Yeah. They have a 16-1 and one stretch that gets them four games out of first place. That's how far back they were to get 16-1. and one. And even when they start the 20-game win streak, they're still four and a half games back in third place when the streak started. So there was nothing like this streak. Hattie Burke gets the home run. They win the division. Everybody's happy. You know what? They win the 20th game. They go to Minnesota. They lose the Friday night game. But then they win Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in Anaheim. So it's 23-1 they go. But again, they lose the next three games in Anaheim, and they're a game out. With nine games, to, with 11 games to go, they're tied for the division lead. Right? So this was no cakewalk. And for the A's, yeah, they were going to make the playoff. They were going to be the one wild card team. But if they had been the wild card team, they would have played the Yankees again. And we knew what happened in 2000, 2001. The A's wanted no part of the Yankees. They needed to win the division to make sure they avoided the Yankees. Now, in hindsight, maybe it would have been different. But at the time, <laughs> you didn't want to play the Yankees. So you wanted to win the division. They go 9-2 and two down the stretch to win the division. But, it, yeah, every game was a grind because the Angels refused to lose. Yeah, the very just the very start wasn't that bad. They were a little over five hundred. Then they went in the tank, yeah. and then as you said, sixteen and one. Sixteen. That right. There was always something about interleague play with that era of A's teams. There was always, and you could say when you're constantly switching up players every year, it takes time to gel, figure out how to play together, and everything. But there was something about as soon as they saw the National League, it didn't matter if it was the West, Central, or East. Things would change with interleague play. They really did. And they, they went 3-0 and against Houston, 3-0 and against Milwaukee, took two out of three from the Giants. Then they go on the road, and they take three straight in Cincinnati. I don't think I've ever told you this story. The A's are in Cincinnati, and I actually got a game ball for an A's victory. You got the in I did. Cincinnati? In Cincinnati. By the well, way, was that – was that still Riverfront? It was still Riverfront. It's the last oh year of Riverfront. God. So we could see the new ballpark being built just over left field, yeah. left center field. There it is. But so Art Howe was making the A's lineup up, and he had John Mabry on the bench because he had, if he had played Mabry, he would have had four straight left-handers in the lineup, and he knew the Reds only had one left-handed reliever, but he wanted to break it up. Somehow, I don't know how I heard that Gabe White, the Reds' left-handed reliever, was unavailable that day. And I told Art, I said, Art, this is inside info. You could get investigated for this kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't. I still remember how I heard. I said, Art, I, they don't have their left-hander today. And he looks at me and he goes, really? He goes, maybe I'll change the lineup. So he puts Mabry in. What does Mabry do? Hits a game-winning homer in the seventh inning. After the game, he says, I think we'll give the game ball to Mr. Feldman. You still have that? Uh, he never actually gave me a ball. But I have the newspaper <laughs> article, so that's, that's sort of close. <laughs> I always thought I should have gotten a playoff share. I, you, you know what? You know what I'm thinking? I'm going to go get a ball. Art's going to be here <laughs> for right. the celebration. Hey, Art, you owe me. <laughs> you may not remember or care. You owe me a sign ball for the, the game ball for that game. <laughs> the game ball in Cincinnati. So they end up, they sweep that series. They go to Pittsburgh, they sweep that series, and they're, they're just rolling. They really picked up 
steam. The other thing that happened on that road trip, and this is something I'll never forget as well, was when we were in Pittsburgh. Uh, again, new players. Takes time to gel. And David Justice was one of those new players. And Justice comes in. He's, he's kind of a celebrity, right? Married to Halle Berry. Yeah, the Atlanta, the championship, playing in New York. Now, there is a scene where, nah, man, Yankees <laughs> are paying half your salary to play against you. It's true. But, <laughs> but I remember we're in the lobby in Pittsburgh, and they have the night off, so they're going to go to dinner. And David Justice and Jermaine Dye made sure every player on the team was invited to dinner. Not one player left out. They said, we're going, and we're all going. And – you know, this was in June, and that's kind of how long it took for this team to really find themselves and get to know each other, these new players, new personalities. And, but that night solidified it for me. It was like, wow, that's what leaders do, for one. They make sure everybody yeah. is included, and it pays off. Well, there is no doubt. I mean, Dave Justice was a star. Yeah. I mean, for his time, you know, he's, he's one of the most recognizable faces too many times we think of stats with stars. Stars are bigger than stats. That's why they're stars. Right. They're star players stat-wise. But as you mentioned, when you're married to one of, at that time, most popular actresses, you've been in all these playoff games. I mean, ever since he would he come at 19? Yeah, with the Braves. He was very young. 18 or 19. He was super young when he came up because he signed early. And – his entire career was in the postseason. Yeah. So there's something, too, when Dave Justice came to the A's. It was, and it was this celebrity. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't going to have the offensive output that Jason Giambi was going to have, but he has some cachet. He's still yeah. David Justice. And the other thing that gets kind of lost in this whole year is the A's made a big acquisition at the end of July, and that was Ray Durham. And you think, why did the A's even get Ray Durham? Mark Ellis was a rookie, but he was playing second base and doing a great job. But, again, it just solidified a leadoff hitter. Ray Durham was the A's leadoff hitter, and DH didn't really play second. It was all Mark Ellis, but now all of a sudden you had Ray Durham leading off, Scott Hattieberg batting second, playing first base again, and the lineup is just now set. Right? It's just Tejada and Chavez and Justice and Terrence Long, uh, Ramon. It's just now you have a set lineup going down the stretch. And it, it, getting Ray Durham, it, just, it was like the final piece. They needed that player. And you look at his numbers again. They won't blow you away for what he did with the A's. He hit 270, hit a couple home runs. Wait, wait, wait. Hold yeah, on. I know. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to look up at a scoreboard tonight. I'm assuming – I haven't seen the lineups, but I'm assuming Aaron Judge is going to be in the lineup tonight, yeah. right? Aaron Judge at one point last night was hitting 298. Um, you're telling me a leadoff guy – now, Ben Attendee's hitting over 300. But – you're going to see where I'm going here, folks. We're going to look at a scoreboard tonight and see everybody's basically under 240. Yeah. You're going to tell me the A's had a leadoff hitter hitting 270. That's a, that, that, that was real? It was real, and it was kind of disappointing that Ray Durham was a 300 hitter, and he was hitting 270. Uh, Can you imagine now we'd be talking about him battling for the, for the batting title? Exactly. But he, you know, he did what they needed him to do, steal bases, yeah. play big games. You know, he hit a couple homers in the postseason. Had the inside the park homer. And in the White Minnesota. Sox, the White Sox. Remember when they got him from the White Sox? Why that was? White Sox had a good, good, good time during. They were good. They had some good teams. It was a good team. You know, and the Giants end up signing Ray Durham. He yeah. played there for a long time. Had some big years. But again, Billy and I've always felt this when the A's are in that situation where they have a chance to win. He's so good at picking those pieces that are going to really help you. 
right? He knows what's going to help this team, him and David Force both. We saw last year with getting Starley Marte and, and uh, Gomes and uh, Chafin and, and Harrison. These were the players the A's needed. Now, it didn't work out for, for, for other reasons, not because those guys failed. They were the perfect additions to this team. And Ray Durham in 2002, along with Ricardo and Cohn, Right, the A's knew they needed a left-handed reliever. Mike Magnani wasn't getting it done anymore. They needed to bolster it. And they said, you know what? Ricardo Rincon, well, he's across the hall. Let's get him. And, and that scene in the movie of all the scenes was pretty much the closest to what really happened. We're kind of playing phone tag and getting people involved and, and working the magics on the phone. That was pretty close to reality of what that night was like. Yeah, and he was literally right down the hall. Right down the hall. Magnate, by the way, wasn't he almost at the ten-year, the golden? Oh, that was a that's a rough conversation. It was rough, and and and, you know, Magnate, he put his heart and soul into it out there. You saw the knee braces in the movie again. Reality, he pitched with knee braces, Um, and he gave it his all. He just had didn't have anything left. You know, having read the book Moneyball and watched the movie Moneyball, obviously, you know, they didn't have any pitching. (laughs) <laughs> and that's how that team won with was I don't even think did they have pitchers because I don't they don't even mention pitching in the book so I don't even were they allowed to have pitchers in 2002 well now Chad Bradford got a whole chapter oh that's right that's right yes because he's coming from he's down coming under from down here no I you know it's funny the first time I saw the movie Moneyball it was so hard for me not to watch it like a documentary I lived this I was with these guys every day and I'm like well that's in heaven that's is terrible. And then I went and saw it a second time, and I watched it as a movie. It's entertainment. And you go, yeah. this is a really good movie. Yeah. This is really entertaining. It was up for an Oscar, by the way, folks, <laughs> the movie. And it's a best-selling book even to this day. You know, and, it's just, and you go, well, they didn't mention Hudson Mulder Zito. You go, well, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about Tejada or Chavez. So you, so you got to kind of say that to yourself. It's not about those guys. This is what it's about. It's about doing more with less and finding, you know, those, those hidden gems and whatnot. But, yeah, they had some pitching. Right, they had Mulder, Hudson, and Zito, and Corey Lytle. And during the streak, Corey Lytle was the best of them all. Thirty-two straight scoreless innings. And we're talking tonight, Game th- Thirteen is the anniversary. He gave up a run in Game Thirteen. It was unearned because David Justice sort of lost a ball in the lights. It could have been ruled in today's game. It probably been ruled a hit, but it called it an error. Run still scored, unearned run. But Corey Lytle, unbelievable run. So now you have Mulder, Hudson, Zito, and Corey Lytle. Who's dealing? Aaron Harang was the fifth starter, and he was okay. He kept you in games. But those top four during the streak, money. So Billy Bean is going to tell you coming up here at 4.30, right? At 4.30, there was a game that Corey Lytle pitched against the Athletics as a – they would have been the devil rays at the, yeah. at the time. And after that game, he was obsessed with him and getting him. You're going to hear that at, at 4.30 when we talk about this. But, yes – you know, Corey was just dominant. And that's how you can go 16-1. and one. Yep. That's how you can win 20 in a row is as much as we talk mainly about offense, guys feeding off of each other, good and bad, right? Lineups get hot and good cold time. together. So do staffs that all of a sudden everybody starts winning. Everybody actually pitches innings, which is something we don't see anymore. But, you know, if – if one guy goes eight and wins, I want to go eight or close it, and they start feeding off of each other, and that's really how streaks – I mean, it's how Cleveland broke the record. Right. They won 22 in a row in the same sort of situation where guys got hot and everybody's playing together. The interesting thing about this streak as you know, they lose a game on a Monday night to Toronto by one run. 
And Terrence Long hit a leadoff triple in the eighth, and the A's couldn't score him. And it just felt like we're back to the bad A's again. Because, again, a little bit of up and down with this 2002 season. But the next 11 games, the first 11 games of the streak, the A's never trailed at the end of an inning. That's how easy it was, right? They just they were dominating. They never trailed. And finally, game 12 was the game in Detroit where they're down 7-2. to two. Uh, They pinch hit Greg Myers. He hits a home run leading off an inning, starts this rally. John Mabry again, huge hit. They come back and win. Uh, And then they go to Kansas City. And I'm sure Billy might have talked about this. They get to Kansas City, and now there's a threat of a strike. Yes. Right? There's going to be a strike. There's labor unrest. We don't know what's going to happen. So as the streak's going on, there's this whole other thing happening with the players, which is really overshadowing this A's winning streak because baseball might shut down by Friday. So they win Monday, they win, win Tuesday, they win the Wednesday night in Kansas City. Again, another great moment. The A's win their 15th in a row, set an Oakland record for consecutive wins, beating the uh, 14th straight by the 88 A's. We get in the clubhouse after the game. Everybody's excited. Eric Burns had caught the final out. Eric, where's the ball? Uh, I threw it into the stands. <laughs> Dude, we got He goes, do you want me to go back and get it? What, what do you do? You're, who are you going to go back and get it from? But they had no idea if they were going to play on Friday. And that was the amazing thing. You won 15 in a row. You're in this, this pennant race, and you have no idea if you're playing on Friday. Thursday comes. It's an off day. Things get settled. Thank goodness they're playing Friday, and this place, the Coliseum's electric. Minnesota Twins are in town. Jock Jones for the Twins leads off with a home run. You're like, uh-oh. Ray Durham in the bottom of the inning leads off with a home run, and it's on. And that's just, you know, it's such a great homestand with the, with the Twins. The Sunday game, uh, Mulder's dealing. It looks like he's going to have a complete game shutout. Gives up back-to-back home runs. They take him out. Billy Koch come in, who's Billy Koch pitched every day. He gives up a home run to Michael Kadire, and the A's are trailing. Go to the bottom of the inning, Miguel Tejada. Off Eddie Gardado, three-run homer, walk-off winner. Now we go to Labor Day. This is a Monday afternoon game. The A's look dead. Look, you know, sometimes a day game after a day game is harder than a day game after a night game. For whatever well, these reason. guys are these guys are not one to get up early in the morning. No, that's not their in spring training. Yes, but during the regular season, no, we're a night game. <laughs> we're a night game. So day game after day game can be tough. And the A's are trailing five nothing to the Royals, and it looks like well, this is it. Good run. It's going to end at 18. And Renolvis Hernandez, the pitcher for the Royals, for whatever reason, buzzes Jermaine Dye right at his head. Right at his head. Dye jumps back. You can see the A's dugout. It's like something clicked. Everybody woke up, and it's on. The A's come roaring back. They win on walk-off fashion again. Miguel Tejada against Jason Grimsley. Remember that name. He's going to give up another big walk-off yeah. hit. And the place is just nuts. So now you win. It's 19 in a row, and you have Tuesday off. Tuesday's an off day because the A's wanted to have a home game on Labor Day. So they have Tuesday off. We have to wait till Wednesday, Wednesday night, to come back to try for game 20 against the Royals. And, you know, that game's pretty famous. They made a movie about it. You know, Miguel Tejada, we're hoping, is going to be here this weekend. Um, that's kind of like, you know, when he's here, he's here. But he hasn't been back. Well, he's been back as a as a player. Came back as a royal, Oriole. Yeah, I mean he's come back. But I mean, Miguel Tejada coming back as Miguel Tejada in Oakland. This a. is a celebration of Miguel. Yeah, Tejada. I mean Miguel Tejada was a terrific Oakland. A. Oh, he's I mean fantastic. he's an MVP for God's sakes. 
I think it's time to get, it's it's time for him to get his due. It is, and he deserves this. I mean, he's the numbers that he put up as shortstop, the, the, as coming up as a young player, making his debut in '97. You know, starting as a guy who batted eighth in the lineup, and it's him and Shavi right batting seventh and eighth, and they slowly move their way up in the lineup as people leave and they get better, and then they are just the dominant players. In 2002, Tejada was dominant. He was dominant offensively and defensively, and in the clubhouse. He had a big personality, um, and he guys they gravitated towards him. He was, you know, he's an interesting. He's a different cat. His English wasn't great, but he played with emotion. And I think the fans of Oakland really appreciated that. Well, and it was a situation where you kind of forgot about Giambi because you have a you have a different, you know. There's the there's the guy. Giambi was the guy. He was what the man. Was, I'll never forget. It was the day game. I'm in the press box. The old left-handed reliever for the Yankees, Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton. He hits the home run off Stanton. I mean, Giambi was the guy. That was, no, it's the man. Because that's the Bill Kings. Jason that Giambi that, yeah, uh, is the man. Because I was sitting in. I was sitting with Bruce McGowan and I. We're sitting there, and it was like, oh my god. Wait, did Bruce stop talking at any point during that day? Do you know back when the Giants <laughs> came here in nineteen? Um, I love you. We Bruce. love Bruce. Yes. So. Tahadabi took over that role. Yeah. Someone had to take over the role as the dude, and 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 it's time. And I, I, we think he's going to be here. When he's here, we'll know he's here. And it's time for him to get celebrated by Ace. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, Steve Schott in his new book that he wrote with yeah. with John Shea, they talk about the decision whether to sign Tahada, and they thought they they were going to embarrass him with an offer. And Steve Schott loved Miguel Tahada. Steve Schott's mom favorite player was Miguel Tejada. I mean, and truthfully, there was so much love there. And Steve Schott knew that he couldn't keep him. He knew it. And he didn't want to embarrass him with a low ball offer. And unfortunately, they, you know, they went with Eric Chavez and gave Eric Chavez a very nice contract. Uh, still the biggest money contract in A's history, uh, $66 million. But Chavi didn't stay healthy through it. And Bad it didn't back. pay off, right? So, and, you know, Tejada goes to Baltimore and has huge – drives in 150 runs in, in what, 2004. The MVP wins a home run derby. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. But he needs to be honored for what he did with the A's because he was so good and, again, just a turning point, a turning point player as part of this franchise. Now I am going to test our A's historian. Uh-oh. This is a man that's done so much television, scorekeeping, what are all the things you've done around the A's? All that stuff. Yeah. All right, he's done all this stuff. That's why he's our A's historian, of course. Pac-12 Network, he'll be A-State, and who's your first oh, We got Northern Arizona and Arizona State on Thursday. Hey, Herm, you play <laughs> to win the game. The great Roxy Bernstein on the call. I am going to test your knowledge all right. of the streak. What is the most played highlight that happened during the 20-game streak? What highlight was played more than any other? I would imagine it was Scott Hatterberg's walk-off home run. Not even close. Tejada's home run. Tejada's base hit. I have no idea then. I take you back to Cleveland. Jermaine Dye rips the ball over the left field wall. It bounces through because they have that gate-like. And the guy runs after it and face plants into the concrete. Ball keeps rolling. Guy tries to kick the ball, and it keeps rolling. And then the lady just picks it up down the street. 
that highlight is still played to this day. And if you remember back then, you're thinking maybe just locally. Back then, nationally, SportsCenter played it over and over and over. It was like the highlight of the year because we didn't have MLB Network. All of our highlights came from ESPN, and that highlight <laughs> still gets played to it this does. day. You know, our esteemed A's producer, Delaire Lewis, he loves that highlight. Now he'll play at any time Cleveland's in town. He'll play at any time Jermaine dies. See what I'm mentioned. saying? He had it. He loves it, and it is, it's hilarious because the guy just biffs it, and then the woman just picks up the ball and is like, "Hey, it's great." And he hit hard. Yo, and yeah. I've always wondered what happened to him. Yeah, I think a lot of dental work <laughs> is what happened to him because I don't want to see the aftermath. Oh man. And 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 uh, I don't think you've been. You haven't been in the truck for any of these replay, any of the highlights of these games, have you? A few of them, sure. Did, were you when the, we recently replayed it? Were you in the truck? I was for actually them? in the booth with Dallas and Glenn, and, and Dallas really had not seen it. Oh, it's. And I just, I, I, I can't, you can't stop laughing. It is, it is funny. And, and, you know, hopefully 20 years later, that guy's fine, new teeth and all. But it was, uh, it's so funny the first time you see it because it's just, he, it does. He goes down hard. He goes down like how the Raiders wanted the quarterback to go down. He must go down hard. Face first oh into my the country. God. I feel so bad for him. Uh, great stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited about Sunday to see all these guys again. I mean, you talk about certain teams that you're attached to and, and that era A's, that was those were my guys. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to travel with them and get to know them as even a little bit off the field and uh, you know heartbreaking playoffs. But the regular seasons were unbelievable, and they were such a good good group of of, of people. We need to get that baseball signed by Art Howe. <laughs> we need to get that. We always appreciate the time. Uh, my pleasure, Tony. Great to be in the treehouse. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Cole Irvin joins us here on A's Cast Live after a fantastic performance yesterday thank you absolutely dealing and i know you look at numbers um the uh forcing fastball for you is just a weapon yeah i mean it's it's the primary fastball um you know the the sinker is a secondary fastball <laughs> I, i've been treating it more of a, as a secondary pitch this season so um and even more so lately so it's uh it's been kind of fun to think think through how I want to use a sinker in a lineup um, in the same respect as a changeup and, and curveball. So it's kind of, it's been kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, you think about a fastball now, everybody is so consumed with velocity that I looked at your highest fastball, I think was ni- you were like a radio station, it was 94.1, and then you averaged 91.4 or something like that. So it just goes to show location, location, location. You don't have to throw 100 miles an hour to get people to swing and miss. No, you you don't. And, and like, something that I, I preach when I coach in the offseason and, and coach young players is, you know, if you focus on your development and about throwing strikes and the quality of strike you throw, it doesn't matter how hard you throw later in later in life when you're, you know, my size and, and throwing hard, 
uh, you're going to be able to locate when you need to. And that's to me, is the most important thing um, for any pitcher to learn how to do when they're at a young age is, is locate. Um, not the spin, not the speed. It's, it's just locate. And um, a lot of young players can, can, can learn a lot about pitching if, you, if they just focus on locating. You think about when you came over from Philly, mentally where you were then and mentally where you are now, mm-hmm. what's the major difference? Uh, I, think, I think it's simple. It's just confidence that I'm a big leaguer. <laughs> uh, the confidence that, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to get the rock every fifth day um, and knowing that this is my role, this is my job um, to to get deep into ball games and and give our team a chance to win um that's always exciting and and that's how i've been um coming up through the minor leagues and and even going back to my college days i just always been an innings eater um i've always liked (laughs) like taking the ball every fifth day um so i think just the confidence and getting those reps and understanding how to work through um big league lineups is 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 important um and and i've learned a lot over these past two seasons so far here in the uh oakland a uniform and and i'm loving every bit of it and you're having a good time (laughs) sometimes you feel like guys are grinding it's great we want to hear about the grind and it's the dog days of summer and we're playing 17 straight but the thing that i can tell about you is man enjoy life you're having fun with this you're the big leaguer this is my job i get to throw baseball at a hitter every fifth day um and i try not to take that for granted um so you know i I have you know these little things these small things uh that i do and you know before every inning you know or before the game starts when when whoever's playing third base throws me the ball i say hey let's go let's have some fun today um and then i look over to whoever's playing first base and i say hey you and me talking the ball over here you know just just small communication to remind myself like we're playing the game we're having fun we're doing it um, as a group together and um, those things that those those are the things that I enjoy is being able to interact with teammates and celebrate the small plays that they make behind me and um, I mean even talking about you know talking with Shay to, today I, I was extremely impressed with how he um, game planned uh, for yesterday and and just the maturity he has to to be able to break down hitters and and um, those small things, I just appreciate a lot about what it takes to be a big leaguer. And, um, you know, we got a lot of good good ball players in this clubhouse. Yeah, we've been talking about the new company that's come to Oakland, Sears and Langoliers. And I'm like, you know, it sounds like you could get like a dishwasher or a fridge or it's a microwave. an episode of Home Improvement. Yeah, Sears and Langoliers. <laughs> this Memorial Day, you come to Sears and Langoliers. I, I can't get that off my mind. I'm like, I want to do a spoof commercial. I think it's going to be hilarious. Uh yeah, but you see a lot. I mean, all of a sudden the kid comes up, and, I mean, it's like double, 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 home run, double. He's worked one base hit in there, a bunch of extra base hits, and you see his athleticism. And then, you know, for a guy, I mean, he doesn't look like he's got great speed, but he's got really good speed. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Doesn't act like a rookie, doesn't look like a rookie, doesn't perform no, like a rookie. Know. What have you seen? I think he's he's just been a great addition to the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, just his transitions when he's throwing guys out, um, whether whether they're, the calls are close or not, I mean, he makes every play look like it's an out, um, <laughs> throwing runners, throwing out runners at second base. Um, but I, like I said, I think there's a lot that he's, he's brought to the table and, and he shows his maturity as a catcher, as a young player, 
And, uh, you know, I know quite a few people in the, in the Braves organization that were raving about him. Um, and, and so I'm excited to be able to play with him and, and, uh, you know, help him with what I can, but, you know, he's, he's, he's mature enough that I can learn some things from him too. Um, just in terms of, you know, what he's seeing from hitters and, you know, there was a laughing moment in the dugout. I think it was like the third inning or something. And we both look at each other. We're like, do we have to throw inside today? Because the whole day I felt like we didn't throw inside maybe once, maybe twice. Um, and we just both laughed at each other. We're like, we're going to stick with this. And we just, and we did. And it was just one of those days where, uh, the battery is working well together. And, um, you know, he's just a, a great, great kid. He's wanting to learn. He's wanting to work for his pitchers. And it's, uh, you, you always love and throw into a guy that, that wants to work for you. Do you mind if I speak for both of us? Absolutely. You shouldn't have come out of yesterday's game. You should have stayed in the game. If not complete the game, you should have gotten the win. If you didn't get taken out of the game, we wouldn't have gone to extra innings, and the ball game would have been over, and you would have had a W. So for all the people that say wins don't matter for starting pitchers, I completely disagree with you. <laughs> okay. What, so. what matters is is the team got the win at the end of the day, and we have a happy clubhouse. That's all I care about. Uh, yeah. That's a, as, but as, as I'm speaking for both of us, <laughs> I would have got the victory if I would have been taken out, but I'm a team guy, and that all that yeah, matters. But yeah. you know what? For you, um, you, you want to be known as that guy that can go start to finish. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's how I, that's how my mentality is. You know, for before every start, um, you know, a good example. You know, I made a start in New York against uh, the Yankees, who are in town today, and and I gave up five runs, and I still won seven, and and I still wanted to continue to be in that ball game. I didn't want any bullpen guy to come in that day because I felt like it was my responsibility to take. Uh, the accountability of what I had given up that day, and I wanted to be the person that uh, at least went eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's just it, it's just always been in me. It's always been that thing that's uh, maybe it's just a traditional – the traditional coaching I was given when I was a young player is whatever – whenever you're given the ball, it's it's your game to finish. And um, so I, I try, to, try to bring the reliever out in me when I'm in the sixth and seventh. So that's why you probably see the uptick in velo every once in a while. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing that I don't like, it's like it's like all of a sudden, you know, it's okay that a guy gives up some runs as a starting pitcher. That's going to happen. Not everybody's going to be perfect. To me, what even if you do give up some runs, the fact that you can go deeper in the game and how that helps out everything. It helps out the bullpen for the next couple of days. Right. I mean, you're doing a service to yourself, to your team. Uh, I like being able to go deep, but I like how you have that mentality. And what I've been saying you know, because on this show is a little different than on the post-game show. On the post-game show about you, I've been saying, listen, he is in his prime. You are right in the middle of, we say, an athletic prime. It doesn't matter if we were talking about you're an NBA guy, a hockey guy, golfer, tennis player, baseball. You as a athlete, a male at this age, you are in your – this is the best you're going to be. You're in your prime. Let the yeah. big dog go. Yeah, you know, and – but you know, I'm still I'm still young in in a lot of other people's eyes, and so I think there may be some protection there that that you know may not be said. And and you know, I want to be I want to be pitching every day. So you know, if if I'm saving bullets for the next outing, so be it. That's another opportunity to go to go nine that day. 
Um, and so that's kind of just how I take it. I kind of just roll it into the next outing. So, you know, I saved I saved eight pitches based on the hundred hundred pitch pitch count. So we'll we'll roll that in. We'll we'll roll those eight pitches into the into the next outing here uh, in Washington. Well, if I'm going to ask you about Langoliers, the other part of the company, Sears, we got to ask Sears and Langoliers. Um, this guy, yeah, a lot of confidence. What have you seen in this left hand? I I I, I absolutely love his work ethic. I, I love the way he goes about his business uh, every day. He he. He's kind of very similar to Logue and myself, just attack with fastballs, um, adjust with off-speed when you need it. And I think the biggest thing for him is is that he's trusting his stuff early. Um, that's something that I didn't quite believe in when I got to the when I got to the big leagues is I didn't trust myself and and, and I think that's something that he does really good um, and he just trusts his stuff and just trusts his abilities to get out at this level. And for a young player, for, for a guy that's been traded to another big league club, um, and to be able to put up innings the way he's doing it, um, you know, I know he was a little frustrated in his last outing not being able to be extended through the ball game, um, coming out with an early pitch count as well. You know, that's just that's part of it. You gotta you gotta take some punches. Um, and I, I think his just mentality, his work ethic, all of that is just is is he's going to be great for us um here in the future and and just what a great addition what a great trade um to have him um in this clubhouse uh, you know all the lefties we, we got quite a few of them yeah. now um you know we're all bouncing ideas off each other talking about hitters talking about lineups and it's, it's become quite fun for me you know early part of the season i was the only left-hander in the, in the rotation so it it's fun if we start talking about the future, because that's what we do here and with talk shows, yeah. we always put the cart before the horse. Always. Uh, start looking into next year. Like, we go into spring training. Like, if this was Mason, I'm going, okay, you, Blackburn, Cap, Sears, mm -hmm. and then a whole group of guys battling for number five. And plus, you never use just five guys. I mean, aren't we really talking about a, a legit – starting rotation that can compete every five days i mean we got i mean some of those guys can filter into the bullpen too i mean our, our bullpen's been great all season um you know they've had their hiccups just as much as the rotation has and i <laughs> you know it, it's we got we got 10 11 starters how, however many we got on our 40-man roster that are competing and and want the ball every fifth day and and you know what? That just brings uh, the competition up in, in all of us, um, striving us for get to, to be better, to, to be our best selves, and, um, you know, come out every day and bring it. And that's that's what competition does, and that's what's fun about it. So, I mean, looking looking ahead, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's very exciting for, for Oakland A's baseball. And looking ahead for you, you have one of the best ERAs in the American League. Is it still the best home, Cody? Is he still best home? I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure it is. You have one. You're either the best home ERA or you're one of them. So for you, what do you want to see from you? Keep it rolling. Is there something you want to work out, work on down the stretch? What about you uh, for the rest? I mean, of the just season? just keep these consistent starts rolling, getting getting deep into ball games, um, giving our team a chance to win. I think the more we win going into the end of the season. The more, uh, the happier we're going to be coming into spring training the next season. Because when you win together, uh, when you win together, that's how the culture is formed. And so it's it's important that we win as many games as we can 
coming down this stretch here and and just learning how to do it as a group and and we got such a young group here um, that I think it's the more we can get wins the more we can take some series uh, it's just going to add to the motivation for next season to come out and and know that we can we can play and perform together um, at this level I don't know if you know this but I do a post-game show after where I got to talk to the fans, and talking to them is a lot easier when you win than when you lose. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's no, so different, no different from, you know, me talking to the media after, after games when we lose. It's, it's, not, it's not easy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of the transition that we're in, but we all want to win. We, we, we hate losing, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're having fun here right now. Um, you know, yesterday was a good win for us coming into this series and it's a big series for us uh as a as a young group to put you know potentially you know win a win a big series against a a good club all right two things non-baseball nbc sports california they did a thing on there was a mullet competition it was national mullet day and then they did you know they threw your hair on there and asked whether it's a mullet or not i say no that to me to me what you got is just gloriness coming out of the back of your hat well, i don't view it as a mullet. this isn't this isn't in mullet form right now like when i when i actually go out to the like field take the field and my hair is like wet and slicked back underneath the hat oh it's in pure mullet form okay but pure, this right here is not no this is this is just let it go this is straight out of frozen just let it go yeah you can sing it. Let it go. I, I have not. Trust me. I, I have. I, I'll say. I'll save that for the team bus. I, I have twin girls. I have every Disney princess movie you possibly could want. <laughs> uh, and then number two, number two, and probably the most important. Are we ready for football season? Let's oh, go. Oh, I can't wait for. What football do we got? Season. The Ducks. I mean, as long as you're still in the Pac-12, what do we got? Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna go win the Pac-12 championship, and that's gonna be about the, it this year. I mean, that's kind of how we do things up there in Eugene. It might be. <laughs> hey, it might be. In all seriousness, these next couple Rose Bowls will be the last of what we have known. They've played, what, over 100 Rose Bowls. Yeah, it's, it's This gonna is going to be the end of what we really know of the traditional I, I, Rose Bowl. Yeah, I hate So to, you might as well win one of these. Yeah, I, I would love to see us in a Rose Bowl game, especially with, you know, SC and, and, and UCLA, you know, leaving the Pac-12 conference. So, but, yeah, no, I'm excited for football season. Uh, we got a big fantasy football draft coming up here soon. Um, I'm excited for – for college football, Saturdays are my day, as you guys know. That's I'm I'm really looking forward to Saturdays, so um, I'm I'm excited. Do you try and pair anything with the what Oregon is going to be wearing on the field? Since you guys have like eight thousand different uniforms, you know what? I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna give myself a little better effort at getting some more duck gear for Saturdays when we're finishing out the year here. Please do. Let's yeah, see so, represent. so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do them better because. They tell the fans what they're wearing on Saturdays, so I should I should probably jump in on that trend out here on the field on Saturdays too. I like speaking for us, by the way. That was fun. <laughs> he didn't say it; I said it. I said it. All him, all you. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.